0: Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So tighten those trucks, pop those ollies, and get ready to nail some kickflips. Hello, everyone. Happy Easter and welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Arnie and I'm so excited for today's episode, I can't really truly explain it. Um, Before I get into all of that, I'm going to do our usual thing that we do at the top of the episode and let you know that if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now, if you've listened to any of our past shows and enjoyed that content, please Please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or really any podcast service. Um, It means the world to us and it really helps the show. So if you want us to keep going, that's the best way to show us that you're going to stick around. Um, So that out of the way, let's get into some Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, I have two co-hosts with me today, so let me just introduce them real quick. Uh, first up, grinding the rails down in NYC. Ozzy Garcia, how you doing, Ozzy?
1: Doing well, doing well, Arnie. Um, I think uh, New York City now is a skater's paradise, um, <laughs>
0: as long as you wear your mask, kiddos. I know. You You have to forget the helmet. The helmet is is no longer important. The mask is what matters when you're yeah, skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: <laughs> and uh, also, kick-flipping his way around Holland, uh, Jeff Ivets. Jeff, how you doing? yeah i'm great hello hello all right so uh just a disclaimer i'm going to geek out very hard during this entire episode um <laughs> tony well, what are we hawk's, talking about arnie well we're talking about tony hawks bro skater That's what we're talking about <laughs> we're gonna be flipping and grabbing and spinning everywhere it's great i love it <laughs> um no i mean this is a, this is a series i think that especially for me I it's one of the games that I most associate with my childhood and growing up and hanging around my friends watching skate videos and attempting to ollie and failing repeatedly. So I'm just gonna get into it and we'll sort of go through it as it goes. Um, I I really wanted to start off this episode before anything by talking about games that preceded Tony Hawk's very quickly. Um, Tony Hawk. Right, who's
1: who is Tony Hawk? Hmm.
0: Tony Hawk is honestly at this point arguably the most famous skateboarder of all time um, forever and always uh, I mean not even close yeah I think. <laughs> um, in the popular mind like even in non-skateboarder sort of lore Tony Hawk is the skateboarder like if you think of a skateboarder it's Tony Hawk um, he started skating I believe uh probably in the late 70s early 80s um
1: yeah he was like 13
0: he was like yeah. a prodigy
1: essentially yeah he
0: was essentially like the savant of skateboarding when skateboarding was much different than what it looks like now um but he was the guy right and so we're going to get a little bit we're going to get into that a little bit later of how he came to collaborate with Activision and Neversoft in creating the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater franchise which is Honestly, at this point, more than skateboarding itself, the thing that has cemented his legacy in like the mainstream for life, like I think most people, even at this point, if you ask them something about Tony Hawk that they know, it's probably either A, that he skateboards, and B, that he's the Tony Hawk's pro skater guy.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's intertwined. There's no way yeah. that you can separate the two. I mean, it, it's kind of... Each one fed off the other, and mm-hmm. for a time there, I mean, the pro skater games actually overtook, uh, you know, the significance of Tony Hawk in terms of, you know it wasn't really about his skating anymore i mean yeah he did skate i mean one of the uh you know the biggest feats that he ever accomplished was pulling the first uh, 900 you know on a on a skateboard yep uh, doing which... the
0: uh he landed the first 900 in competition which i remember he, here's the story like right right away i saw i remember watching those x games live in 99 at a friend's house and i for the longest time for years i had a beat up vhs tape where i had recorded um like a good chunk of that competition so i had i remember i had uh the inline the vert inline competition part and i loved watching that i remember there was a guy can't remember his name but he also hit the first double backflip in competition um and then obviously watching tony hawk essentially cheat because what happened is he couldn't land it during the run but they gave him extra time afterwards exclusively for him to just try to nail the 900 so (laughs) it's like he does the run and then it and then it ends and then he literally tries like seven times to nail a 900 until he makes it yeah Um, yeah,
1: i mean but hey i mean he did it i you know every time i see this uh videos of skateboarders mm -hmm. i just kind of you know, last night as I was doing research for this, I was mm. pulling up a bunch of old demos and stuff. And um, usually they, you know, because Tony Hawk was a big thing. And, yeah. and almost all the demos had some Tony Hawk content in it. And okay. a lot of them had, you know, like outtakes of, uh, you know, the skateboarders doing their thing. Like in uh, uh, Boom Boom Hot Cam and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it's just fascinating how <laughs> death defying the whole thing is. I yeah. mean, and, and pulling something like a 900, it's like it could literally be neck breaking oh yeah um so it's it's really a testament to these guys are just completely fearless honestly
0: (laughs) i think after a while you especially when you're learning to skateboard after a certain point you kind of just have to let yourself go like that if you want to achieve the higher strata of skateboarding tricks and you know sort of pull off some of the stuff that really makes a name for yourself in skateboarding um you have to you have to sort of be unafraid of severely injuring yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean and and Tony Hawk, I mean, just beyond being an all-around nice guy by all accounts, mm-hmm. it just seems like he's just a really really nice down-to-earth dude um that has done a lot to not only communities but also all his skateboarding buddies, he's really tried to prop them up. He's not really the type to like, hug the spotlight and, and be full of himself, etc. I mean, uh, but really, he was the ambassador for skateboarding, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a millennial, you know Tony Hong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's weird because he kind of came, you know, into prominence in the 80s, um, you know, as this super uh, talented skater. But at the same time, he really gained national prominence in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that was because of the pro skater games. I, I don't think that you can separate how Pro Skater brought skating to the masses and it brought that skating culture to the masses and a ton of new kids, you know, ended up getting introduced to skating because of Tony Hawk.
0: Yeah, that is is really important to point out is the fact that more than anything, there is just... I wouldn't say a generation, but there is a large amount of people that, from a specific point in time, where if you ask them what got them into skateboarding, they will say Tony Hawk's pro skater. Just unequivocally, I, I, would,
1: I would say unequivocally yes. I mean, maybe there are there's a ten percent that you know did not play it or did not get into it because mm-hmm. of that, but I would say probably ninety percent around a particular demographic they all got into it because of Tony Hawk.
0: Yeah. It either it either created their love of skateboarding or it reaffirmed that love by, you know, essentially making it that much more popular and visible. Um, facilitating just that industry, right? Like skate shops and skate parks and all that cool stuff that is really important for kids who are trying to learn to skate. Um, so... I- the imp- I guess let me ask you,
1: let me ask a question to Jeff. Jeff, I mean, what was the experience like in England? You know, did skating have the same degree of prominence?
2: Yeah, not really. Uh, I think skateboarding <laughs> in the UK, um, it's a bit like surfing and a lot of these X Games sports that are now even making their way into the Olympics, where outside of Australia and maybe South Africa and definitely the US, no one's really as into it as those countries are uh, i think the french are quite into their their extreme sports as well but in, on the whole it's australia and america who dominate and who really adopted this kind of uh, sport culture uh, that, mm. that we just didn't do in the uk i mean you're talking about the x games from 99 and i remember uh that being a big thing to watch there is a one of the free to wear tv channels uh may we're making yeah. a big big thing about it like you've got to watch this x games there's going to be something amazing to see and yeah like skateboarding for me was something just like why would you do that you're just going to get hurt like it, it doesn't <laughs> that that i am like completely on the side of um i have that fear you know i, I yeah i see the repercussions of doing something stupid like going on a board with wheels on it
1: without any kind of <laughs> holding on device. But it's like everything that your mother and father yeah. told you you shouldn't do. Oh, yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. not even that. Uh, also add into the fact that like wearing the protective gear was considered yeah. not cool. Oh, God, you wouldn't. Like, no way. If you want to <laughs> get of an up, actual. Fine.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like outside of an actual indoor skate park where you're like going on a vert ramp or something, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to wear the helmet and the shoulder pads yeah. and the knee pads. Like that's not yeah. that's not what we're here for.
2: <laughs> so so it, um, it was it really was something uh, as I say this this TV channel were uh, it was it's called Channel Four, but uh, they were the mm-hmm. ones showing NBA in the mid to late nineties when Jordan was huge, and they yeah. were like a channel that couldn't get the main sports. Uh, couldn't afford to mm-hmm. to get the packages, so they were showing a lot of the kind of the subculture stuff. Um, but this, but that moment where Tony Hawk hit the nine hundred, I remember watching that as well. Obviously, I didn't watch it live, but I remember watching uh, their 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 replay of it, and it was mm-hmm. even without knowing anything about it, you could see like this shouldn't be possible, like this this shouldn't be even yeah it shouldn't be possible so it really captivated yeah. people uh, you know especially kids my age I was you know 13 14 that that kind of age and it really just makes you think wow maybe skateboarding is pretty is pretty cool it's not as it's sort as dorky as uh, as you think it is <laughs> and then of course you've got kids at school who are like yeah I've been skateboarding for years you're just you're just jumping on the bandwagon now that now that Tony Hawk is popular and it's just like yeah, oh
1: but fuck those kids
2: yeah it's like <laughs> i'm sorry like you know uh, so he definitely made it he definitely made it in the UK like really yeah really cool um but you have to pay a price for that is that like if you're not on board you know first and and you and you come mm. on later then you're just seen as someone who just like kind of hops onto things and doesn't isn't serious about the art form of skateboarding
1: I guess that wasn't an issue here. I mean, I don't know Arnie if you feel any different, but over here it's like everyone was skateboarding. Mm. There was no one that was saying, "Oh no, no, no you're you're just hopping on the padwalk" because everyone was doing it. Yeah. So it was it impossible was. to ignore. I think um, it was. I,
2: and, I think it was really important that because I, I remember there weren't many skate parks. Uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of places for kids to do it. So the popularity, I think, really did help because then you do start seeing these spaces in London that start opening up. And, you know, I I could be wrong, but maybe I need just started noticing them around that period where actually, because culturally it was becoming more of a thing, more people getting into mm. it, more people get into it, the more money councils want to put into it because it gets kids off the street. It puts them in a one yeah. place, keeps them safe. So I think it did a, a hell of a lot of good. Uh, it's just you're always going to get people who, uh, you know, I was their first kind of attitude. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I I remember the one thing. I think one thing that me and my friends enjoyed about skateboarding was really the fact that you could do it anywhere. Mm. Um, you didn't really need a skate park, and lucky for us, we did not have one. Um, I think I think the problem was that we all got into skateboarding at around the same time, and we were all around that age where you're really. Like, you're really limited on mobility. I think we were between, like, 9 and 12 or 13 years old at the time. Um, none of us had cars. Puerto Rico is not the kind of place where you can just walk places, so for us, it was, you know, we all lived in this big apartment building and I remember we would all get together and we would just walk around the premises. I remember there was like this abandoned tennis court at one end of the property that we would all walk down to and just set up like boxes, make like makeshift ramps, stuff like that. Um, and that's how we got into it. I, I honestly, I remember um, this is like, like. Blast from the past for me. But I remember getting like a crappy like VHS camera from my parents. I don't know if it was theirs and I just got it as a hand me down. But I remember like make trying to make skating videos of me and my friends of us just like goofing around and and busting our butts every time we try to do something like extra complicated um, I wish I still had those videos, <laughs> honestly. I'm they sure do sound amazing.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like we we really thought, uh, I was like on this like, I guess I thought I was part of Rocket Power or something. I was like, oh no, this is going to be amazing. Like I'm going to look back on these and think, man, we were so cool. And now I'm like, I wish I had them just for how terrible they probably are. But uh, so getting back on track to the video game side of things, because I'm going to tell a lot of stories. And so I want to spread them out throughout the episode. Um, One of the things that I think is interesting is while Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was sort of the introduction for so many people to skateboarding in video games in that specific way, there is a, a short history of extreme sports games, specifically skateboarding games, that precede Tony Hawk that sort of set up that, you know, that moment in time for Neversoft to do what they did. Um, just to name a few of them, 720 is an 86 arcade game released by Atari. Um, what you'll see in a lot of these early games is that there is a focus on doing tricks, getting points, but not in the same way as Tony Hawk's does it. And a lot of these control schemes are a lot more awkward. Um, I remember playing some of these and... Like after I got into Tony Hawk, I was like, oh, let's find like a bunch more skateboarding games and nothing ever really lived up to the Tony Hawk model. Um, So 720 is one uh, skateboarding, another uh, Atari game. This one for the 2600 released in 87. Um, It was written by David Crane of uh, Pitfall fame, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Correct. And so this one, like, for example, the object of the game is to execute 30 hidden tricks within five minutes. Um, so you have to, like, skate around and sort of figure out, like, you have to intuit for yourself what the game wants you to do. And so it's a real, like, play through it, figure out some stuff, play through it again, play through it again, play through it again, until you've sort of memorized everything you have to do. Um, probably more familiar to... fans and people of our sort of age range i think would probably be skate or die um released on the nas developed by ea and konami and published under their ultra games label um and this one is sort of a i don't know i guess it reminds me kind of like the epics game sort of stuff where there's five skateboarding events and you have to compete in every single one for points um I don't know, did you guys play any of these games? Like, do you guys remember playing a skateboarding game before playing Tony Hawk's? Or was Tony Hawk's your introduction into the whole skateboarding as a video game concept?
1: No, I mean, I I think... I'm not going to lie. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't played any of these games. I know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just seem so rudimentary yeah. um, that it's really hard for me to even feign an interest in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, you know, with the 80s being the, the heyday of popularity of skating, yeah. at least as a professional you know, endeavor... Um, actually, I'm going to take that back. I mean, the 80s were just the, the, the moment in which skating became well-known as a mm-hmm. sport. Uh, but I just... You know, I appreciate the fact that they were trying to bring this new sport into the video game genre, but much like every other game, like almost every other game out there in the NES, they were trying to figure out the rules of what would work in a video game. And they were trying to figure out what would work, you know, with term- in terms of the control scheme, mm-hmm. in terms of what were the goals, what do you need to do. And I don't quite think that any of them, after seeing some of it uh, and some of the gameplay, I don't think any of them quite pulled it off. It's still quite... Uh, odd um, and doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I give them props for for you know being you know the the purveyors of this type of uh, sport that was new at the time. Um, no, I think my experience with skating is a little bit different. Skating games, at least mm. um, a skateboarding game. Uh, I think uh, I played uh, a few of the others that came before Tony Hawk, and that includes uh, Two Extreme mm. um, and Three Extreme, which uh, was like you know, different sports. They had like rollerblading and it had uh skateboarding, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and also there was another one, I think uh street skater by EA. Yep. Um, and that one had a sequel as well. Um, but the thing was, I can't even remember if I played those first or if I played Tony Hawk first. To be quite frank, just to go a little bit back into my history of how I got to play Tony Hawk. Yeah. um, Tony Hawk came out uh, in 1999. So, in September of 1999, that literally was a year that I arrived in the US. And so, my whole world changed, you know, in that particular month um, because all of a sudden there were so many things that I didn't even know existed. And one (laughs) of those things was Tony Hawk. And Tony Hawk was extremely big the moment that it released. Mm and the way that I got exposed to it was because, uh, Pizza Hut was running a demo promotion in which if you bought a pizza, uh, they would give you a PS1 demo disc, uh, that included certain demos. I uh, remember the, this. Yeah. The ones that come to mind is Final Fantasy VIII was on there. Um, and I got to, you know, see the Liberty Fatale, uh, <laughs> intro many, many times. And it was so awesome. But the other one, and I think Crash Team Racing was also there. And then, there was Tony Hawk and it had that warehouse level and so you could play that warehouse level for two minutes um and you know you could play it on nauseum. Yeah. And so not only did I get to have amazing, amazing pizza that I didn't have <laughs> before in Cuba. Um. Uh, hey, you know, I mean, people hate on Pizza Hut. I think Pizza Hut was great. I haven't had one in years, but I think it was it was absolutely great. Yeah. Um. And I also got to have the other thing that I that I love, and that's uh, video games. And I thought it was an absolutely brilliant marketing move. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I played Tony Hawk. You know. Like a ton of times just because of that demo disc. Yeah. Um, I, I never had the game until many, many years later as an adult. Um, and so I think if I really go back to it, Tony Hawk is the first skating game that I ever played. Okay. Um, just because that's the moment that I arrived here in the United States and I got exposed to even this thing called skateboarding because that wasn't a thing in Cuba. Um, So after that, I played other games like Grind Session, uh, Street Skater to Extreme, uh, Trasher, Skate and Destroy, Um, you know, all the other games that either released contemporaneously or thereafter um, as a clone.
0: Let me uh, ask you two questions. One, um, when you arrived here, like, did we create a false, like sense of pride in you by not only giving you pizza, but also giving you free video games when you got pizza? Like, did you think that was going to happen every time?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, no, it's it it was great because I remember, I mean, for those of you that live uh, in Florida or somewhere in the south of the United States, this is going to be completely foreign to to Jeff, uh, (laughs) literally, Uh, you know, there was this shopping mall and the shopping mall had a Blockbuster video. Hell yeah. And that was amazing. <laughs> uh, it had a Pizza Hut. And that was amazing for the reasons I mentioned. And it also had a, a, a Publix, which is like the grocery store. Yes. Um, that, you know, is very prevalent in the south of mm-hmm. the United States. And Publix not only had, you know aisles and aisles of food which i was not used to seeing in cuba yeah but it also had uh magazines with demo discs Mm -hmm. and so that was my favorite thing i would go straight to the magazine aisle and i would just like look wistfully upon the ones that had the (laughs) demo discs, such as playstation magazine or pc gamer um and you know every once in a while my parents would relent and would give me one of the magazines. And so, yeah, I absolutely thought that demos were the most amazing thing ever. And the thing was that in Cuba, you know, you kind of traded in demos. Mm -hmm. Like demos, we knew demos because that was the way that we got to experience games. Like someone got a hold of one and it would be passed around. So that's, for example, how I played Tekken 3. Um, And so the idea of me getting to the United States and having lost my entire collection um you know, and having to rebuild it, just the demos were like an easy way for me to have a lot of variety in terms of stuff to play. And so that's why I loved, you know, going to Pizza Hut and getting that demo disc because it just gave me like hours and hours of entertainment, you know, after a pizza, like, you know, like I got pizza and entertainment. It was just amazing.
0: Yeah. Um I will say this is a small digression, but you bringing up Publix, like, reminded me that Americans are really like, When it comes to grocery stores, like specific locations. (laughs) Are we going to have
1: this discussion? (laughs)
0: People are so like into their local grocery stores. Like I've met several Floridians who have told me that Publix is the greatest grocery store of all time. Um, And some people are like, no, it's Wegmans, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I feel like we could have an entire episode dedicated to this.
1: We we could have an entire episode about this. (laughs) And just to settle the score, I've lived in Florida. I've lived in upstate New York. Wegmans takes it. All right. Uh, Moving on.
0: (laughs) Um, And let me ask you, Jeff. Like, I know we got a little bit into your history on that, but I do want to know, um, one, if you'd played any games mm-hmm. like of this genre before Tony Hawk's, and I don't think we ever got an answer to this, but did you yourself ever skateboard or did you do any sort of quote unquote extreme sport?
2: Yeah. Uh, just, just as well, just to kind of help, help the listeners get a, get a nice idea what, of what Europe <laughs> is like, um... Uh, One, we do have malls. Two, we did have Blockbuster Video. (laughs) Three, we did get Pizza Hut. And four, we did have grocery stores selling magazines with demo discs. So it's not Oh, you don't say <laughs> like, it's a
1: weird continent uh. where stuff happens. Uh, stuff happens yeah. there. No, I mean just real I, quick, Jeff. I mean, I did a minute. I, know, in that sense. I, I, was, know. I was actually trying to reference Publix because Publix is a very, very <laughs> regional, even for the United States, yeah. it's extremely regional. Yeah. Um so that's the yeah. reason why I said it. But I do know that you guys have Pizza Hut, Bloodbusters. Oh don't this worry, stuff, but like but,
2: over uh, here we argue about which which country has the best uh, grocery stores um and it's normally
1: (laughs) it's in tesco i mean the big one tesco in
2: the uk but in i mean spain italy and france they've got they've got some crazy
1: competition there that their their grocery stores are incredible (laughs) yeah Yes, I know. I've I've been to yeah. them. It's like three damn, yeah. you know, <laughs>
0: floors. Um,
2: but yeah, so I mean, so on on the skateboarding games. Uh, yeah, the, I think the first game mm. I played that had skateboarding in it was California Games. Um, oh, I had that okay. on
1: the. Yeah. M- I was thinking about that one. Yeah,
2: I had it. On, I think it was. It's just a half pipe. I think. Um, yeah, and that was on. I had that on MS DOS. I think um so yeah played it i didn't have a clue what i was doing you know it was another one of those copy discs that my dad got off friends at work so it didn't come with any Mm. instructions i had no idea what i was doing you know when you've got a whole keyboard in front of you and you're like i'm sure (laughs) one of these buttons is meant to do what i want it to do but the arrow keys is nowhere near enough like giving me what I need. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I had that, but I I get the feeling and maybe I could be wrong, but I think back to the future part two, when you were Marty, mm-hmm. I'm sure you were using a skateboard. Uh, that's, Oh yeah. That was quite obscure reference, but I think those are the two games I've played when I was young, where you, which involved skateboarding. Um. Okay. But yeah, like really there was a big gap between uh, that and then the SNES era so 16-bit era and then going mm-hmm. into because i didn't have back to the future a video game on this on the on the snares that was a bit too out out of my reach um yeah and then on the playstation yet yeah, it wasn't until 99 that i picked up a skateboarding game so there was probably a good i reckon seven eight year gap um okay in, in me me trying skateboarding and i think tony hawk definitely made it accessible it made it uh, it's like you instantly knew what you were doing and I'm sure we're going to go into it. So I'll save that till a till mm-hmm. bit later, but it, yeah, it was very, uh, accessible, I guess. Um, but yeah, skateboarding. No, uh, I, I tried, I remember we had a, a skateboard at home. It was my brother's, um, mm-hmm. and we had, uh, in, in our backyard, uh, we had a little bit of a, of a decline, uh, outside our, uh, my mm-hmm. dad's garage, uh, garage. Just in case you didn't understand the first one, Um, so that 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 was uh, that that was like just a slight decline. So you could get a bit of speed, just to like so you could like practice, and and we're probably talking now because obviously I was super young. You're probably talking about a decline that measured maybe um, less than. 20 centimeters probably 30 centimeters sorry that's really bad for us listeners um i don't know how many (laughs) inches that is i have no idea but like 30 centimeters is not much um yeah and it's super smooth and that scared the hell out of me because it was like the speed suddenly (laughs) would pick up and i would be like then i would find myself leaning backwards and it would just be like i thought that that would be when i would like jump onto the grass and go oh god oh god this is not for me um my uh my wife actually, she recently well, she loves surfing. Uh no, yeah. Really. Um and so we she took me uh we were over in the UK in a place called Newquay, uh which is the best surfing spot in the in the UK in case you ever want to go surfing in, in mm. the United Kingdom. Um and it's it's the same thing, right? You're getting up on a board and you've got to maintain balance. And mm-hmm. i was thirty two thirty three and and I just had those flashbacks of of trying to be a skateboarder and and failing miserably and it just yeah, I panicked i was in the I was in the ocean, yeah yeah trying to balance and I was like, <laughs> you know what i've just got I've got no balance, so I just had to make that final <laughs> acceptance, but I admire people who do when, when people make things yeah. look easy, there's nothing more amazing in any sport than watching people make stuff look easy because when they yeah, when they make it look easy you know it's taken an insane amount of dedication
1: and time. Well, and that's and that's what I didn't yeah. have growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I had
0: a ton of time but I just didn't have a ton of dedication. Yeah. yeah. Well there were games to be played. Yeah, there
1: were. No, and I remember that you know right um you know like I said September I get there mm-hmm. and then I have my very first Christmas in December of that year 1999 and I asked for a skateboard. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to be as cool as Tony Hawk. <laughs> and it, like, I rode that skateboard maybe three times. Because as soon as I started going, I, like, tripped and, (laughs) like, fell. And I was like, okay, I'm (laughs) not doing this. Maybe I'm just meant to play this thing, you know, through a video game. Um, You know, and and it's funny because I've actually wanted to explore skateboarding again Mm -hmm. and seeing if, you know, I can get over that hump. You know, and especially right now, people are, like, over here in New York, people are, like, riding, like, the longboards. and, And, you know, like, skateboards are not as popular anymore, but there are other variations of, mm-hmm. you know, skateboard-inspired, yeah. um, you know, tools, let's just yeah. call them longboarding, that. Uh,
0: longboarding is getting pretty popular. I know some people even put, like, little tiny motors on theirs yeah, to ride yeah, around you and stuff. A lot.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I may re-explore it, but I can tell you that I completely, literally bounced off uh, skateboarding. <laughs> um, and then I just didn't try it again. I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And so, that skateboard just sat there forever without ever being touched again.
0: Yeah. Um, Skateboarding was, like, a, a part of my life for several years. I did I, I dedicated enough time that I did learn how to ollie. Cool. Um, That's essentially the only trick I ever learned. So... What my like the biggest accomplishment I've ever had is maybe jumping a couple staircases and like when I say staircase I'm talking like three steps like let's not get it crazy counts, here counts. um and in that time like yeah it's it's really weird because you don't I I didn't think about it as a kid because like you're a kid you're like oh like I I can't die I'm invincible like who cares and so I definitely did take a few spills that like older me would have definitely reevaluated priorities at that point <laughs> um i remember jeff's story kind of reminded me of a of a story where like my neighborhood was sort of the subdivision that had a bunch of gated communities in it and um from where i was there's this giant there's like this big steep hill that goes basically to a dead end and i remember one day like wanting to ride down it the whole way and i was going and i was like full head of speed and and i remember my skateboard sort of drifting to to the right and i got concerned because there's a like there's a gutter on the other on the on the side of the road and so i was like oh if i hit that gutter like i'm done and so i started leaning to the left to try to compensate and i guess i must have leaned too far and the skateboard basically just shot out from under my feet going full speed and i slammed into the asphalt and like took a few spins i cut my arm up pretty good um but I remember like moments like that, just getting up and being so pissed that I fell. I was just like, "God damn it!" Now I have to like do this all over again. Like I gotta climb back up to the top of this hill and try again. And like I think back on those moments now, and I'm like, "Man, I was such a fucking idiot." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it just
1: this this games and everything that we're talking about just conjures a particular time, yeah, you know, and a particular image, you know, you envision like baggy t-shirt baggy jeans you know like with the uh, either the converses or the um what were the other ones the oh, vans the vans you know those were the big uh, the big uh popular shoes at the yeah. time it just conjures a particular image just like the 80s i mean uh, you know this like is an image of like the, the early 2000s for me yeah um growing up essentially
0: yeah um
1: so should we take a break on arnie before we go into tony hawks
0: yeah with that i was just about to say we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to actually jump into tony hawks proper so stick around everybody oh. everybody and we're back and so now it's time the main event is here we're jumping straight into tony hawk's pro skater so let me just shoot off a couple things for you guys uh tony hawk's pro skater first release on the ps1 september 29th 1999 in north america and october 18th 1999 in europe um, one of the rare games on this podcast that we've talked about that has no japanese release as far as i know um, i think the Japan didn't get any Tony Hawk until maybe two or three. Um, although for some reason it's called Tony Hawk's Skateboarding in the EU, and that just hurt me because yeah, it's I, th- I don't know Tony Hawk's Pro Skate. It's not like it's that. It's not like it's a great name, but it's like what I'm used to calling mm. it. And seeing that it got a different name in Europe just made me sad. Um, I think
2: I think they just had to be really clear. Because skater could be inline skating,
0: could be roller
2: skating. Like you had to kind of, (laughs) you had to be specific. Come on.
0: Yeah. Um, and this is a theme that's only going to be expanded upon as we go through the games. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was released on a bunch of systems, um, Obviously, the PlayStation 1 was the original version. That's the one that most people, I think, played and remember. Um, the second most popular, I would probably say, is the N64 version of Tony Hawk, which is kind of crazy that they even managed to make work, and they put in a cool little blue cartridge. So, it's one of those, like, standout, like, N64 games where you look at a set and you're like, oh, I think that's yeah, Tony Yeah, that's Hawk.
1: that's Tony Hawk. Yeah. Exactly. Or it's, or it's
0: uh, The World is Not Enough, which is also blue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the other
0: blue one. Um the Dreamcast port um, is widely considered to be the best, like, quality-wise, just because the frame rate's better, but the control is a problem. Um, Tony Hawk's was designed for a PS1 controller, and the Dreamcast controller just doesn't give you the same, at least for me, and maybe it's just because I've played it so much on the PS1, but the Dreamcast controller just does not work as well. Um, there's also a Game Boy Color port, which... Is completely different from any of the other ports. Like, it, I think it's uh, side scrolling and. Yeah, it's some more of the like Skate
1: or Die, you know? I mean, it's yeah. it, it, it does have more of that NES influence, just as, yep. you know, almost every Game Boy game had. Absolutely. Um, you know, I actually had this one, you know, oh, really? ins- instead of the PS1 game, they mm. gave me the Game Boy oh. game. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I. I you know, I played it like twice or three <laughs> times. And I realized this is uh this not is a as good as the Pizza Hut me. demo is, I got. <laughs> this is certainly not the warehouse level. Um, um but no, I mean it, it it was it was interesting because the mm-hmm. game got ported to a ton of systems. I mean it was literally all the systems yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um and you then, know, before the PS2 came out. Um but you know, the PlayStation was the original one yeah. and the Nintendo sixty four had better graphics, it had smoother uh frame rate. But you can't separate that from the fact that it didn't have FMVs, yep. um, which was pretty big yep. and pretty, you know, pretty significant part of the Tony Hawk experience. And it also had limited sound. Yes. you know, we can get into the differences between the, the the ports, but I think it really kind of cast a divide between whether you were a PlayStation person or a Nintendo sixty four yep. person, because to me. That felt like an inferior product, even though, hands down, there's no question that Nintendo 64 had better graphics mm-hmm. than the PlayStation. You know, at least with respect to Tony Hawk. Yeah. But for me, I did not want a, you know a version of Tony Hawk that did not include the F and B's and did not have the entire soundtrack.
0: Yeah, it really it really cuts into the the actual experience of playing Tony Hawk. Um, if you, the people who prefer the N64 version usually point to obviously the, the graphics and the lack of low times, which the PS one did have. Um, but honestly, I didn't think they were long enough that they were that they really affected my experience of of ever playing the game. I mean, they
1: were considerable. Maybe you're yeah. remembering it with rosy, you know, tinted glasses. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they were considerable. I mean, the the loading times were a pretty significant, mm. you know, step up in the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Um, um. You know, but you also had to contend with a Nintendo 64 controller. I mean, yeah. you mentioned the Dreamcast controller. The Nintendo 64 controller also was not great for, for Tony Hawk. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it was a, it was a, a competent port and, you know, you were not missing out on a ton, you know, if all you had was a Nintendo 64. Because at the end of the day, you still got to experience, uh, the levels and you still got to experience, you know, the addictive loop of just, you know, going every two minutes. But, yeah. you know, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. So we can perhaps explain a little bit more about what the game actually was about
0: yeah absolutely um i did want to say i don't want to give short shrift um nokia engage also got tony hawk's pro skater in 2003 um which is yeah i, I remember that me. actually
1: no i I, re- I remember that because the nokia engage was like a big thing for yeah. gamers they were like okay well this is a cell phone and <laughs> it's also a video game portable console and one of the i think it was one of the launch games was yeah, actually tony hawk it was um and you know i never had the engage uh it actually was from you know some accounts a pretty good port Mm -hmm. uh you know all things considered you know this being the nokia engage um but it it just seems like a a nice little novelty honestly i'm kind of i'm kind of sad that there wasn't like a tiger lcd
0: version of tony hawk i think if it had Uh, come out maybe like a a couple years before they would have definitely done something like that like Tony Hawk's. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. it only gets more ridiculous with time. Uh, the amount of of places that it was released, but um, getting back into sort of just this little breakdown. Um, developed by NeverSoft originally, which I I mean. I, I as a kid like NeverSoft was one of the few developers that I knew by name just because I played so many Tony Hawk games. Um, well, they had the iconic, yeah. you know, the iconic logo. That logo was eyeball, amazing. You know, um, their yeah, name ex- exactly. Which is it was like very a, edgy for the time. Yeah, their name, which is, I think, an erection joke, um, was <laughs> that I did not get as a kid. Like I, I was like, oh, NeverSoft. Like it must mean that they're really fucking badass, you know. And now I'm just like, oh, I. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: but uh, yeah, so basically the way that they came o- about making Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is kind of an interesting story that we don't have time to delve into really deep here. If you're interested, um, I Paul shared a very good article on The Ringer um, that was uh, released for the 20th anniversary of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where they really dig into like... How the game sort of sprouted and how it ended up becoming what it was. Um, so I definitely recommend that read, but basically, we'll post that up on the website. Yeah. Uh, um, Activision was basically looking for a developer to produce this skateboarding game that they had wanted to do, Um, and they picked Neversoft because they had actually done another PS1 game for them called Apocalypse, starring Bruce Willis, and Neversoft had turned that project around, I think, in like nine months' time. And so Activision was like, let's give them a shot, you know? And uh, I think Neversoft and Activision both knew that they wanted sort of a recognizable name to tie into this project, so they had a meeting with tony hawk they let him play i think a very early build of the game um i remember reading that for the original like build of it the character that you skateboarded as was bruce willis's character from (laughs) apocalypse which is a, a that is a prototype that i would love to get my hands on I don't know how this
1: hasn't been leaked before. I, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing that we haven't even gotten pictures of this.
0: I know. Um, and I guess Tony Hawk liked the build that they showed him enough that he was like, I'm all in for this. Um, this is a- another thing that I thought was incredible, um, was that when Tony first signed uh, that deal to use his likeness, uh with activision for the game activision actually offered him a one-time buyout of his name and likeness basically just a lump sum to be like we can use your name and likeness for this long of a period of time here's your money and tony hawk was like uh i'm gonna pass on that and i think i'm gonna take a royalty deal on the game instead not knowing like the massive success that it was gonna be Uh, No,
1: I mean, it was an absolutely brilliant move. And, you know, just to get into a a small digression uh here uh, that's actually relevant. um, A lot of skateboarders made good money with Tony Hawk. I mean, Tony Hawk essentially said that, look, you know, after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out, I saw an interview with him uh, on YouTube, you know, talking about how much money he made. And he said, you know, it literally opened up so many opportunities that, You know, I wasn't able to focus on before, and it really allowed me to, you know, just spread skateboarding to, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever I wanted. And there's a story that he said that, uh, you know, around the time of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Four, you know, his, uh, you know, person at, at. Activision, you know, contacts him and says, hey, you know, let's let's meet up. You know, we have like an annual like meetup or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they meet in California. They go to a restaurant and the guy just like gives him a $4 million check. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, this, and this was like, you know, the annual like royalty payment. He like and handcuffed he got...
0: a briefcase to his arm.
1: No, like he just got like a $4 million check. Like that's insane, you know. But one of the, you know, the common themes that I see here when I'm looking at some of the skateboarders that participated in in tony hawk and that appeared in tony hawk is that all of them pretty much made pretty good money like for the first oh, game yeah. like each of them got like a dollars
0: yeah
1: um you know which was good money for these people you know yeah. and you know i hear like from kareem campbell at kareem campbell you know he said that you know every year or so he would just get checks from activision you know because of royalties yeah and so it was just like free money that would just come in just because hey i'm you know my likeness is being used in this video game yeah um so yeah i mean you can't really ignore how profitable this was for a lot of these skateboarders yeah
0: and even outside of the game like when you when you are a skateboarder like that you know getting that sort of exposure that sort of name recognition i mean you're getting more sponsorships you're getting like your boards are selling better if you have clothing like that's selling things like that, you know, people, people who are getting into the hobby sort of pick a skater that they really like, and they tend to stick with that person's, you know, whatever company is repping them, like they, they attract some of that fan base. So, there's no there's no way to underestimate like the impact on these people's lives that being in this video game had and it's crazy when you think about it like you work this hard to become a professional skater and just kill it and the thing that's going <laughs> to going to blow your career up is being in a video game like being digitized into a Tony Hawk game um and tony yeah Hawk- i mean and this
1: was how People got to know skaters like yeah. Rodney. Well, Rodney Mullen, for example, was quite popular. Yep. But you know, like the, no- the younger generations did not know necessarily about Rodney Mullen mm-hmm. or Bucky Lasic or Shad Muska or you know Kareem Campbell. Yep. You know all these skaters that. You know, were pretty well known. I mean, a lot of them were pretty well known in the skating circles, mm-hmm. but they were not known by kids, you know, out there. And they were all exposed to to the skaters because of that. Yep. Um. You know, and even some skaters that maybe did not have a huge, you know, importance to the skating, you know, scene they became much more important just because they were in Tony Hawk and not because of whatever they were bringing to the table in terms of skating. Yeah. Um, So, you know, some of these like only had like a few videos and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, the fact that they were there in Tony Hawk just made them immortal.
0: Yeah. And it also, I think, like, I think this was the advantage of getting someone like Tony Hawk, right? Like, Tony Hawk was the type of person that I think really valued authenticity in terms of the skating. And so it wasn't necessarily... A vanity project for him he was like i want to get real skaters that are really good and i want to put them in this game and i want this to be you know within reason obviously because tony hawks is a very arcadey sort of form of skateboarding but i want to have the actual names for the tricks i want them to be animated properly like i want it to all look as legitimate as it possibly can um and i think uh, let
1: me uh, let me mention something along those lines Harney. i'm sorry for cutting no that's fine uh Um, this not only was the way that kids got to know skaters, but it was the way that they got to know tricks, um, that adherence to, you know, that sort of pseudo realism of making sure that every trick was accurate, um, you know, made it so that kids would see how they, you know, animated the entire trick. They knew what it was called so they could identify it. And then they could go out into the streets and try their hand, at, 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 try their legs, I guess, yeah. uh, at doing it themselves. And I was seeing a video from Rad Rad video, um who has a really, really good, um, you know, channel yeah. on YouTube. And you guys should check him out. A lot of my knowledge comes from him as well. Um, and he was saying that there are some uh tricks i think it was the hard flip yep uh that tony hawk messed up mm-hmm. and they didn't animate it right and then everyone was just calling you know the wrong <laughs> trick a hard flip yep. um so that just kind of goes to show how influential it was to the actual skateboarding scene
0: yeah well you got to think about it this way too right like we're talking 99 here like the internet was not the the end all be all place that it is now where you could just be like, how do I do a kickflip? And there's like 27 YouTube tutorials on how to do it. Like you either were watching skate videos and trying to sort of dissect how they were doing it in real time, or you boot up Tony Hawk and you try to, you know, pull off a few tricks and see if you can pick up on how to do them. Um, so that was a good resource for that, I think, if nothing else, just to show people the variety of tricks that exist out there. I will say one thing that I that I would I think I'd be remiss uh not mentioning is also the fact that whether intentional or not, I think it's also really cool that people like Kareem Campbell and Alyssa Steamer are on the roster for a game like this to oh, absolutely. add, yeah. you know, variety. Like to add yeah,
1: yeah, I mean the fact that they had a woman in the very first game, yep, it really is a testament to how much of a swell dude Tony Hawk is because he picked this you know, this people. Um and Kareem Campbell, you know, he blew up, you know, because of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it really is a, a nice gesture. And I think, you know, at least a steamer, you know, made good money out of it and she was in a bunch of the other games afterwards. Yep. Um so, you know, the fact that they were doing it from the gecko is really impressive.
0: Yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys, let's let me start with Jeff. I know that you you played this game. Do you remember the version that you played and when you sort of played it and what your first impression was of the game at the time that you played it?
2: Yeah, my first time playing it would have been, yeah, on a, on a, on a demo disc uh, for sure. Okay, That, that would have been uh, where I think I played nearly all my games, first of all, uh, from, I think, of, mm-hmm. official PlayStation magazine. Uh, that was you know like your life when you can only afford maybe one or two new games a year you know 5 5 for a magazine and a bunch of games to play perfect yeah um yeah and it it was just one of those demos kind of like ozzie mentioned where you just you just play it endlessly uh and like yeah. the 2 minute timer in a demo format, is absolutely fine, and it really kind of gets you addicted to getting better and better. It later becomes more of an annoyance because you know you you realize you can do so much, but you have to like you have to <laughs> pick and choose what you go after for each run. Um, yeah, but yeah, so I played to I played the game only on the PlayStation, uh, and we okay. were talking about you guys were talking about like uh, which version is better. And as always, you're going to get your your Nintendo fanboys and your Sony diehards mm-hmm. saying which version they they prefer. Uh, I'm always on board with these sort of things which are this is a subculture that was wasn't really video games it really was a a, 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 a yeah a subculture and I think the videos mm-hmm. only kind of gave and the music especially for me gave it a lot more legi- the legitimacy um because it mm-hmm. really felt like and I remember yeah. and I've also done you know being been listening and and watching stuff leading up to this it was like tracks selected by Tony Hawk um so yeah. so like you really felt like you were listening to music that was being spearheaded by somebody who was leading a subculture.
1: Um and yeah, it really yeah. yeah, and so when you're missing that yeah, it's, it just feels like you're missing some of the authenticity exactly. when you're missing exactly. that element. And, and I was thinking, you know, I, I really liken it to the
2: WWF games at the time. So me and my mates, yep. we loved playing yes. No Mercy, absolutely loved No Mercy yep. on the N64. But when <laughs> I got Smackdown and I had full motion video, and intro. the intros, I'm like, this is my shit. <laughs> this is it. Like I don't care if the gameplay is not as good. <laughs> I've now got the Rock's intro as he comes down. Like this is I'm yeah. I'm you know PlayStation all the way.
1: And you could smell what the Rock was cooking. Exactly, finally
2: <laughs> smell it. Um. So uh, yeah, I so I'm I'm really glad that I played the first game on the PlayStation. I think that was that was also, you know, I I, I was thinking if you get if you're trying to get good at skateboarding, what's the last thing you've got time for? probably playing video games right um yeah so i i would like to think that you know for a lot of kids who got into who were into skateboarding this was a a, the playstation version would have been a nice even though you have to wait maybe an extra minute for loading times once you get used to that yeah that was actually probably the far more legitimate as we say the more you know authentic version of the game probably for skaters and
1: for and for non-skaters yeah, the PS1 is the definitive version. I mean, uh, look, I, it's not that we want to, I'm not oh, hating no, on the no. 64 version. It has <laughs> a lot of positives, but the PS1 is the authentic version of Tony Hawk. Um, you could argue that the Dreamcast version is better. I personally, that's the version that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good because the upgrade in resolution is huge. The graphical upgrade is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, the PS1 was the original one and it's the one that NeverSoft designed yeah um so i i think the dreamcast version was that by treyarch uh the, the dreamcast
0: Dream- version was treyarch the nintendo 64 version was edge of reality um and so that's that is one thing that i don't think we i pointed out yet is that each port was uh each each port was the job of a different studio activision sort of spread that out Um, amongst everybody. So I think you get a little bit of each studio's flair in each port, you know, whether it's noticeable or not, that's what it is. But I, I agree with you guys that the PS one is the definitive version. Um, Like it's weird to say that just for a soundtrack, but if you've played Tony Hawk's pro skater, you understand that the soundtrack Mm -hmm. is, Honestly, probably the second most important thing in the entire game outside of the actual gameplay and especially this first one I have very fond memories of and not only skateboarding, I think it got a lot of kids into specific types of music. I, goldfinger's superman is like forever etched in my brain because <laughs> oh, of great. because of tony hawk's pro skater and i did not yeah. listen to ska prior to this. <laughs> no no so i
1: was i was actually i didn't even know what ska was at the time and at last yesterday i was listening to the soundtracks just to like reminisce yeah and as soon as goldfinger you know uh, you know their superman track comes up it just like was a blast from the past yeah um like you yep. know with with a drum roll, you know, and it's like you can envision yourself going down that ramp, you know, into the warehouse level. It's an absolutely iconic track.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to quickly, uh, because we're running a little long on Pro Skater 1, I want to hit very quickly the game's career mode. Um, this will be pretty much the same for every game we talk about, so I'm not going to repeat myself too much. Um, but basically, the way that Tony Hawk's works on a on a base level, and you guys can correct me if I fuck anything up, um, is... You're essentially given, at the beginning of every level, you're given a list of objectives. In Tony Hawk's 1, they are, they are videotapes. Um, usually they involve like scoring a specific amount of points, collecting or destroying an item, finding a hidden tape, um, and performing specific actions within each level that are usually unique to that level. Um, every two-minute run you get, everything. you can complete more than one task at a time in any given run and collecting the tapes gives you stat bonuses and unlocks other levels. Um, so basically the, the gameplay loop, as it were, is to do a quick two minute run, try to do everything you can as fast as you can and sort of get a feel for where things are as you go. Um, and then just keep playing over and over until you unlock everything. Eventually you'll have to compete in competitions and those are a little more, I don't know, those were like my least favorite part of any Tony Hawk game. Um, you're essentially doing one minute runs to get high scores and place in the top three. Mm. And so that's basically all you do from beginning to end. It's it's a
1: design that completely changed the way that we look at extreme sports games. You know, before this, I don't think that extreme sports games really knew what to do mm-hmm. with them. You know, they were just kind of, like, either, like, racing or, like, uh, high-point-oriented. Yeah. Um, and with this, you know, creating certain goals, it made, you know, the sport kind of have uh, another identity. It, it made the games have a particular identity, and it made it... You know, kind of more storyline driven, mm-hmm. you know, like this is what you're trying to achieve. And it made it into kind of like a jungle gym of sorts. Um, and from, from this game, you know, that spawned a ton of other games that eventually did the same thing, like Dave Mirra's yep. Freestyle BMX, Love that game. you know, Matt Hoffman, you know, Sean Palmer's, uh, yep. snowboarding, Kelly Slater's um, SSX, <laughs> uh, you know, Kelly Slater's Trans World Surfing, you know, all these other games. And they all kind of followed the same template, yeah. which was, You know, you start, you know, uh, a level, you have a limited amount of time, and you have to hit certain goals, you know, within the limited amount of time. Mm -hmm. And those goals are not just necessarily about just doing tricks. Yeah. And for example, if you're not good at tricks, uh, then you can just pick up, you know, the the secret tape. Yep. Um, if you're not good at tricks, then you can collect the skate, the skate letters, letters yep. you know, or you can grind, you know, on some of the levels in order to, you know, destroy the objects or whatever the case it is mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it gave you the ability to advance in the game without necessarily being hindered by the stuff that you weren't great at.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think also one of the things that it does, and this is why I think the demo for Tony Hawks works so well, because the fact that it is a, a two minute run, like every time you're a two minute run, that's perfect demo length. Like, it's like, you know, here you go. Here is a, a significant chunk of the experience you're going to get. So you don't feel like you, you don't feel shortchanged by the demo. Like you don't feel like they, they cut you off before you were actually going to get into the game. It's sort of like. Just jump in and go and, you know, figure it out as you go along. And like a demo, just play it over and over again. Like that's actually what you're meant to do in the actual game. Um, So I feel like they did a really good job of selling people on the concept from the get-go. And, you know, I think that the other modes that they add on top of that are just icing on an already great cake. Like if it was just career mode... I would still have probably played the crap out of that as a kid. Um, The fact that they also give you Free Skate, which is basically no time limit, just pick a level and do whatever you want in it, is amazing. Like, that's what I remember the most, was, like, jamming out to whatever soundtrack song I got and just playing Free Skate for hours. Um, Yeah,
1: and the fact that, you know, for... Your regular runs, you know, you could only listen to two minutes of the song, essentially. <laughs> yeah. You know, but with Free Skate, you could actually listen to the entire song. So it just added a- another layer of why you would want to play Free Skate beyond not just just having a timer, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. I think the other thing that the game did really well was add these multiplayer modes. And I like that the multiplayer modes are not... When they are, like, more common multiplayer stuff, there's always a fun little twist to it. And more more often than not, they're, like, these little original concepts that really do tie into the theme. Like, the skateboarding culture theme that the whole game is going for. So, in in, uh, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, I remember it was graffiti, which basically you do tricks on specific areas of a level to change them to your color. And people can overtake you if they do a higher scoring trick on them. Um, trick attack, you basically compete for high score by chaining tricks together, doing combos, things like that. My favorite that I played with my friends all the time was horse, um, or H-O-R-S-E, however you want to call it. The thing I loved about horse is that you could make your own word. Like you didn't have to play horse. And so that kind of power in the hands of 10 and 11 year olds, I think you can picture the kinds of words that we were, uh, going for. Um, but horse was always just really fun because it was, I'm going to do a trick and look at this crazy thing that I did. Now you have to try to top me. And that's what we always did when we were skateboarding. It was always like, I'm going to jump this thing. Now you have to jump this thing, or you have to come up with something even crazier. And so that was really fun to sort of distill that feeling into a video game. Um, did you guys ever play any of the multiplayer modes with friends? Uh, Ozzy, how about you?
1: No, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I did not pick up the game until many years later. Oh, that's right. And uh, uh, let me be fair. Mm -hmm. I did not know what any of the levels after the (laughs) warehouse level looked like. Even now, I'm still having a hard time picturing them because to me, it's just the warehouse level. Yeah. Um, like to me, Tony Hawk one is just the warehouse level. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hate to say it. Um, and that's a testament to how amazing that loop is that you could just play that one level and just have fun with it
0: yeah absolutely well and i think too i don't know i don't know what you guys would think about this but honestly the warehouse level in tony hawk's pro skater one is probably one of the most iconic levels in video gaming for me like as soon as i see it i'm immediately back in that space where i'm like holy shit, like, it's 2000. I mean,
1: it's weird that I can draw it from memory. If you put me, you know, on the spot and said, draw Tony Hawk's warehouse level, I could tell you where every single thing is and what it looks like. Yeah. I, that's kind of a testament to how iconic it is it's definitely I, it's um, definitely
2: a level of a generation right i think for you guys it's yeah. definitely some it's you know for me it's there's going to be certain mario levels and things like that that i can recall from memory that a lot of us can but that's what i was playing mm-hmm. when i was very young but uh yeah. yeah i can imagine uh for this game for you guys indeed it's like yeah from memories easy.
0: Yeah. Well it's it was I remember I played the game I played through the game again, um, just in preparation for this and just like booting it up and just hearing the wheels roll and like whatever song just kick off as you start rolling down that ramp. I was just like, This is it. I need my like cool ranch Doritos and my Pepsi and I'm gonna be right at, back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like Saturday morning sitting on the floor playing yeah. some Tony Hawks, like it's It was big. It was big. And uh, I also... I mean, I remember some of the other levels. I always thought it was cool the way Neversoft designed their levels to be like normal places that they sort of skatified, um, like a school, a mall, an actual skate park, um, you know, downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota, like the streets of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, like I always, I always thought that was cool, that it wasn't just like, yeah. here's a generic skate park well, area I guess f- and here's
2: for for a non-skater mm. what it what it did was it it just showed that you can skate anywhere you really can yes. like and 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 mm-hmm. that was the whole point of the sport itself and of the culture and of of you know why people why old people you know adults and and such didn't like skateboarders cuz they could go anywhere <laughs> and it's like they didn't have their place if you want to go and play tennis there's some tennis courts go and play tennis mm-hmm. like there's your area go and do it and for a lot of people, yeah. like skateboarders, just going, you know, it wasn't as if the streets are full of them. But because, you, because anyway could be, is your skate park, um, and you could, do, you could try, you know, you see people doing tricks off of stairs outside City Hall. Um, it's, it's, it's great that the game kind of, they must have said to themselves, right, what is it that skaters do? And like you're saying, like the playing horse, mm-hmm. that's what you guys are doing. If they can recreate that in the game, you know, that's an absolute winner. Uh, for, for me, the, what what I really loved about it was how it mm. made me feel like I was a badass skateboarder and that these things are possible. <laughs> um yeah. and you know when I look back at it now especially as you go further down the line in the series when you start linking moves together you start realizing mm. you know I started I started realizing anyway like man this this is surely impossible that in one yeah. <laughs> bit of airtime on a half pipe, I can perform five tricks? <laughs> like, that doesn't really
0: seem too realistic. But that... Yeah, you should not grind on electrical wires. Really? Like, telephone pole wires is not not advisable. Oh. Um, yeah, dude. I
1: mean, and, and the games got more and more outlandish in terms of their level design, yep. you know, as, as, as this want to happen, <laughs> um, you know, as you have further iterations. Yeah. But, you know, the first game really kind of stuck you know to reality you know in many senses. i mean within the confines of exactly arcade, i was going to say it know, did, but it still
2: has an arcadey feel with the high scores with the multi-tricks yeah. with the accessibility with the timer it it was it's it does feel very much like an arcade game uh on on a console whilst you have these small little kind of carrot achievables where you always you've always got another reason to go back into that level Okay, I've still got that to collect, or I've still got that. And then you get to a point where, I think a lot of people would have got to a point where maybe halfway through the game, they realize, ah, wait a minute, if I go back to the warehouse, I could probably do X, Y, and Z now. I'm probably good enough.
0: Yep.
2: So the replayability and the way it would have encouraged that, and it only got better as 2 and 3 came along, uh, it, it, it really allow people to spend, as you say, uh, Arnie, like you could just spend hours and hours into it and you end up becoming really good. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you're good enough, beating career mode with any one skater probably takes you, I don't know, two hours, three. Like if you're good that that you're doing (laughs) three or four objectives like at a time, like you can can run through this game real quick. And that's where some of the, like another thing they did really well is they, they do make the skaters feel unique. Like, unique enough within the limitations of what they could do, especially starting out. Like, once you start getting stat bonuses and stuff, people just start becoming kind of good at everything. But starting out, you can really tell that some people are vert skaters, so they get more air, they're able to do spin tricks more easily. Some people are street skaters, they grind better. Um, They can do, like, flip tricks that are more impressive and stuff like that. Um, And it really gives you an... It gives you an incentive to go back and play with a different character. Um, And then, obviously, if you can get first place in every competition, which, for the record, I can't. I suck. You get a a video of that skater. And that was the thing. Like, man, like, when we were kids, this was, like like, the thing that we wanted. It's like, let's just beat this thing so we can see the cool, like, three-minute skate video of Bob Bernquist, like, <laughs> in Brazil or whatever. Like, we were like, this is it. So, I remember we would sit in my friend's room, like, in the dark and just watch skate videos. Like, it was what we it was like everything we wanted like whenever a new one came out we were like we got to see it we got to see what the new shit is like what people are doing we got to see if we can emulate any of this insane stuff also not recommended um <laughs> we we definitely hurt ourselves a lot more than than usual by trying to do that but that was that was like the thing it was like let's you know let's keep playing let's keep unlocking let's keep going through with different skaters, seeing what we can do. And let's just have fun with Tony Hawk. Like when we got tired of single player, play some multiplayer rounds, then go right back to it. Um, It really was a game that for us like defined that time in our childhood. Um, One of the things that you said, Jeff, that I thought was really interesting. And I agree with you wholeheartedly is the level design is is very well done in this first game and i think the thing that epitomizes that for me is there's there's a sense in tony hawk of you see something and you're like i want to do that like i want to I, I think i can if i grind this rail i can jump to this other rail and then do like another cool trick and i remember specifically like You would jump and grind, and then like it would be like a hidden gap. Like it was like, oh, you did the I don't know Hawaii five zero rail or whatever. And I was like, oh, so they thought about this. Yeah. Like without telling me anything, they knew that I was going to see that and want to jump from there to there. And so they've designed it in a way where it's like very very effortless for players to sort of figure all this out on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are you know the early
2: games as well. The 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 levels are so. I guess you would, you could call them simple, um, but it yeah. really for for someone like myself who didn't skate and didn't have that mindset of what grinding was. Um, well, I would have done later in life, but that's another story. Um, it's a very UK <laughs> reference, sorry. Uh, but there are there's all sorts of things where where you don't know what's possible when you first mm-hmm. start off playing this game, you don't know. And when you, when you say, when you start seeing icons, you think I can get up there. Like, how the hell am I going to get up there? <laughs> but this guy barely turns. How, how am I meant to get any sort of, you know, like, you know, enough propellant, you know, to get up to a speed yeah. to get, make that jump, to get to that. But you end up finding a way. And I think that part discovery and that accomplish that feeling of accomplishment of, you know you've made something you make you you made you made it to a place that you initially just thought this is mm. this is impossible and that's what the levels i think were in really good at they were tantalizing you especially at the beginning when they would give you the little kind of shots of like these are the things you got um yeah and and it, it there was always that sense of one more turn one more turn i can make it next time i can make it next time um <laughs> and i think that's what what made it such a compellingly addictive
0: game absolutely i think we've we've touched on the soundtrack you know a classic dead kennedy's primus suicidal tendencies goldfinger all that good stuff i really want to get from you guys just a quick hit um ozzy is there a particular track on this soundtrack that jumps out at you like that you're immediately like that's that's the track that i remember
1: I mean, Goldfinger. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that comes to mind, but also Police Truck by Dead Kennedys yep. is an absolute classic. Um, the Primus one is also great, yep. but at the same time, you know, I listened to the soundtrack again mm-hmm. and it's weird that, you know, I have very good memories of Tony Hawk one, but the soundtrack is also, you know, kind of different from the later games yeah. in that it's, it's a lot more, monothematic Mm -hmm. it has a lot more like metal punk you know as opposed to the variety that we would see in later games yeah um so that's something that kind of struck me because then when you get to tony hawk 2 um you know that uh you know soundtrack has tons of variety tons of diversity arguably one of the best licensed soundtracks of all time
0: absolutely um
1: so so it was just kind of weird to go back to this one and just realize okay it's not (laughs) as varied as i expected it to be
0: Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll ask you the same question, Jeff. Is there a, a track that jumps out to you? There are, if you'd like me to, there are three exclusive PAL tracks that <laughs> on, I then. I had no idea existed. Um, one of them is "Aim Ain't Got No Ain't Got Time to Waste," Aquasky's right. uh, "Blue Thunder," and Grand Unified Lahat. Wow. Okay. Does any of that jump out? At you? <laughs> <laughs> none of that. None of that rings a bell. I must say. I must say.
2: <laughs> um yeah I, I we, part part of my of my story I guess or of my my life at that point around to- especially the first and second game was uh mm-hmm. that was when I was really starting to get into music uh and kind of okay. find my own identity you know I wasn't just listening to what my my dad would stick on the uh, on the on the, the player or what my brother was listening to um that was pretty much what the what music was dominating dominating in my house um and Tony Hawk um, especially the second one but the first one uh, it just started opening my ears up to music that I just wasn't being uh, uh, exposed to um, so it was a really influential game on, on that part as well where it started you know when, when I started hearing like the Scar stuff and and what have you it was really mm-hmm. it, it, it made me explore a little bit of what else was out there yeah. um, and so for me you know the uh, I think the one that I probably prefer was the Superman or was it Goldfinger Track, yeah, Um, that's the classic. Yeah, and you you can see why. But (laughs) but yeah, I'm going to echo exactly what Ozzy said. Number two is definitely the the soundtrack of choice for me. But yeah, it's it's anonymous. I think I think the music, the videos, uh, the the subculture, as I said, it it all came together at just an amazing time. So fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um. So real quick, uh, just talk about reception. This game was what exploded as soon as it came out. Uh, Critical acclaim. 9s and 10s across the board for the PS1 version. Dreamcast and N64 also very well-reviewed. The N-Gage port, like Ozzy said, was pretty well-reviewed as well. Um, I think the the port that got the most mixed reviews was the Game Boy Color port. And I think that's understandable if you're comparing it to the other games because it's so different just because of that limited capability. Um, Ozzy, I know that you did a little bit of research. I don't know if specifically for Tony Hawk 1 um, about some of the critical reception of these games. Like, do you remember there being hype around this? I know that 99 was like, you had just gotten here and you and I are both pretty young at that time. But do you remember like people talking about Tony Hawk?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... The first game kind of burst onto the scene, and everyone loved it. I think all the promotional materials that uh, they issued mm-hmm. um, were pretty significant, yeah, uh, in making it you know uh, really stand out in the crowded gaming scene. Um, but then you know, as soon as it kind of blows up. Uh, you know, Activision just ended up just running a massive marketing campaign for the Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. port and for the, um, you know, for the Dreamcast port. And actually, no, I don't think that they had anything to do with the Dreamcast port just because, um, they, they gave it off to Crave. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of, uh, the Dreamcast not being that successful. Okay. Uh, but in any event, I mean, they, I remember, watching Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and the like because I was really into that as a Mm 10-year-old just having arrived in the United States. And, you know, there were ads everywhere, you know, and and there were Toys R Us ads that showed Tony Hawk. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was huge hype, absolutely huge hype. By the time that Tony Hawk 2 came around, everyone was on board. Um, And I did not have magazines. I I did some research last night and I did not have magazines dating back to that time. I I do, (laughs) but at the same time, I don't have the particular magazine that reviewed Tony Hawk yeah. for EGM. Um, but I do know that it got very good scores. Um, it, it got, you know, the 9s, 8s, I think maybe 1-7, weirdly enough. Or that may have been the Nintendo 64 version. Yeah. Um, but what struck me was that I looked at a number of magazines from the 2000s. And I do have, you know, pretty much a full collection for those. Mm-hmm. And even late into the two thousand, you know, they show like the top-selling games, the best-selling games. And Tony Hawk won was still on the list of bestsellers, <laughs> you know, into, like, November, December of 2000. Yeah. Um, it was a very well-received game commercially.
0: Yeah. No, it. I mean, this thing did gangbusters. Like, I mean, we, we already talked about how Tony Hawk was getting $4 million checks, so that money was coming from somewhere. <laughs> um, they definitely got my money. I, de- I, I still own my childhood copy of Pro Skater 1 on PS1, Um it's one of those games that I remember really fondly before we wrap up our, our discussion on, on one, I guess I want to hear from each of you in terms of what do you think of Tony Hawks pro skater now in terms of it holding up? And do you think it deserved that praise that it got when it released? Um, Let's start with you, Jeff.
2: Did it deserve the praise? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Does it hold up today? I think so. For me, it's, Still a blast to play the first game. I think it's uh, there's a couple mm-hmm. of absolutely classic levels, some uh, good tracks. I think it's for half an hour. I don't think you can go wrong. Uh, what about you, Ozzy?
1: Yeah, I think I think it does absolutely hold up. I mean, it, it's very, it's a very simple mechanic, but with a complex kind of undercurrent of systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you compare it to the later games. It's kind of odd to go back to Tony Hawk 1 yeah. because the the absence of manuals mm-hmm. and reverts, yep. you know, kind of really hurts your ability to chain combos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the more combo driven systems of the later games is not quite prevalent here. And also you don't have as many uh tricks as you would eventually have. Yeah. Eventually you got to the point later Tony Hawk games that you could just pull tricks off, you know, yeah. a variety of tricks just by button mashing. Yep. But with this one, you actually had to change up your style. So it gives it a little bit more of a a purity, you know, Mm -hmm. that the later games don't have. It's like it's Tony Hawk distilled down to its essence. Um, It does still feel like it's a game that Neversoft wanted to do more with Mm -hmm. and that they would eventually perfect with Tony Hawk 2. Yeah that's that's how i see tony hawk 1 it's still a great game it's still missing some of the things that made tony hawk 2 the definitive experience i think
0: fair enough um and with that we're going to take a small break and then we're going to get into tony hawk's pro skater 2 so stick around guys And we're back. Uh, Time for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, guys. It's getting real. Um, So, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, September of 99. Pretty much less than a year later, uh, never saw us at it again uh, in September 20th of 2000 in North America, releasing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Um, EU following very closely behind. 9 days later on September 29th getting their uh, release. Um as far as I know, I I honestly I found conflicting information about this, but as far as I could tell, Japan only received the uh iOS port of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So wow. the iPhone version that came out in 2010 um, so 10 years later, they were still pumping out Tony Hawk's Pro <laughs> Skater 2. That's how popular this game was. Um, you know, there's not much to say regarding the development. It was never soft for PS1. Activision published. And then they did the same thing they did with one is they sort of spread out the ports to a bunch of different developers. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 did get a Windows release. Um, and I did want to to say this because I thought it was a fun fact. I had no idea about this. Um, but in South Korea, the Windows release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 features four members of a K-pop group called Finn KL. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every member of the band was a playable character, wow. um, and they added seven of their songs to the soundtrack. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, there is the Game Boy Advance version, which actually was the first way that I played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I still remember sitting in summer camp with my clear purple Game Boy Advance uh, because clear was the coolest color. Um, and it was developed by Vicarious Visions. They did an amazing job with that port, it as was far as I'm concerned. Port, yep. um, and I think... Uh, you know, there was also a Mac port that only made it to North America, but interestingly enough, the only reason to mention that is that it does feature online multiplayer, which was a first for the series. Um, there's an N64 version, this time in a yellow cartridge, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Oh, iconic
1: as Uh, well. Yeah. Uh, whenever you identify that yellow cartridge, it could either be Donkey Kong Country sixty-four. That's my or favorite Tony thing Hawk.
0: about uh like N sixty four collections is looking at the colored cartridges and being like, I can guess what that game is. <laughs> There's only like two options. If you see blue and then yellow and it's alphabetized, that's Tony Hawks right there.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's just go back to yeah. the Game Boy Advance version. I mean, uh it was one of the launch yep. titles, I think, for the Game Boy Advance, and I think when I when the Game Boy Advance was, uh, you know, in a- ahead of its release, I saw some screenshots of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, this yeah. is amazing. You know, they're finally we're finally getting to a level where, you know, graphics and portables may compete.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, not
1: compete, but at least offer you kind of the same sentiment as playing yeah. the console version. And for those of you that haven't seen it, it's kind of an isometric an version of uh, Tony Hawk. And so it offers the full level. Um, it offers, you know, kind of like the same experience, except from an yeah. isometric angle. Um, I thought it was great, man. I-, I thought that they stand on their own, you know, two legs. Uh, I think that if, you know, you're out there and you see this game, you know, I would recommend oh, yeah. that you buy it. It's probably like yeah. just a couple of bucks. Um, it's usually kind of like a bargain bin game um, that you can get for like a mm-hmm. dollar or two. Um, but both this one and Tony Hawk 3... They're very well-made They are
0: excellent ports. Like, I remember when I first played it, because I had played Tony Hawk's 1, the isometric, like, uh, angle that you get really messed me up in the beginning. But you quickly get used to it, and it plays essentially just as well as the first game on PS1, um, which is crazy to say, considering, like... Not even the limitations of the system itself, but the limited, like, button inputs that you have on the Game Boy Advance. It still plays great, and it does, like Ozzy said, it does everything that the other games do. Like, it has goals, it, you know, it's arcadey. it does the two-minute thing. I think there's even multiplayer in it, though I can't say for sure. Um, So... Yeah, I think you could do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think the only other thing I want to mention about the releases uh, is specific to the N64 version. Um, So it did feature all of the features of the PS1 game, plus it had an additional level. um, And as we've talked about before, like the performance is better. But again, they cut down the soundtrack to six tracks and they are just instrumental chorus loops. And I can't imagine playing (laughs) that for very long, to be honest with you.
1: No. No. I mean and, and and look, um yes, you don't have loading times, but you also don't have the intro with yeah. Guerrilla Radio <laughs> by Rage Against the Machine. Um and that to me, whenever I hear Guerrilla Radio, you know, and I see that intro, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm pumped. Um yes. let's get this done. Um yeah. so it's it's yeah. a huge omission.
0: It's I mean, it's, you it's, know. It's all part it's of parcel. Tr- like, It's just
2: like the first game, the music goes hand in hand. Yep. It all it, it all it's yep. all part of the like that kind of that that sense that you get about the sport, about the about what you're about to do, and the music plays into that. It really triggers parts of your brain that is like, this is what Tony Hawk loves. This is what the skateboarders love. I'm into this. This is this is how the whole sport is being identified.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess the only thing I would say is if you've only ever played the N64 version of Tony Hawk's 2, do yourself a favor and, and pick up the PS1 version just to try it yeah. and tell me... That it's not better with the music.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the graphics yeah. are much better, of course. I mean, but again, you could just yep. play it on the Dreamcast, and the Dreamcast you're gonna have better graphics and all the other features of the PS1. So, um, Dreamcast, if you're okay with the controller, it's probably the definitive version, you know, at least for um, you know the the contemporary yep. consoles, you know, around the time. Um, but I think you know, I guess I mentioned this earlier. Um, I think it's a it's a small change but it's monumental, and the inclusion yeah, of manuals yeah. in this game really was what made it perfect, because at that point it went from a game of just like pulling up a few tricks, you know, while you go on the half pipe to, okay, let me go on the half pipe, and then, you know, I'm going to grind, and then I'm going to manual, and then I'm going to link all this, uh, you know, tricks, and you could just rack up insane, yeah. you know, absolutely insane uh, scores. Um, so it's a small change, but one that you know, you could even go past yeah. the timer, um, you know, pulling tricks. As long as you could keep pulling trick, you know, the, the timer yeah. would not matter. Um, so it really was revolutionary, I think. I think that that was the thing that made Tony Hawk go from a very, very good game to like a yeah, new perfect it, it game. it
0: really did. Like, the inclusion of manuals is, is gigantic. And I think I read that they Neversoft wanted to include manuals in the first game. But for some reason, I don't know if they ran out of time and they couldn't implement it correctly. I think they ran Um, out of time.
1: Yeah, and and for those that are not skateboard savvy, uh, (laughs) as I am, I'm not skateboard savvy either. Manuals are essentially tricks that you can pull off, you know, uh, while just skating around. So something like a wheelie, you know, in, in a bike, you know, you can just like pop the, you know, pop the skateboard back and just kind of go on two wheels, you know. And so what it essentially allows you is you can go from a grind you know, to a wheelie, you know, I mean, I don't know if I don't No, think They're, they're call just called it's and, either a manual if
0: you're riding on the back two wheels and it's a nose manual yeah, or a if nolly you're Riding on the yeah on or the a face. nolly
1: or something like that. Yeah. So, um, oh, there are going to be so many people <laughs> pissed off that I'm nolly is just an ollie on there. the front I'm of the board. them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So, um, yeah, so the manual, what essentially allows you to do is it allows you to go from one setting to another. This would be kind Mm -hmm. of enhanced with Tony Hawk 3 with the addition of reverts where you could essentially transition from the half pipe, you know, to the, you know, to the regular track, essentially to the park, um, and just, you know, link up tricks there you know but that's essentially you know why manuals are so important because it allowed the linking you know allowed you to go through the whole level basically linking a combo
0: um the other big thing i think this game did uh was adding a level editor i don't know if you guys messed around with this too much i distinctly remember sitting in my room trying to design like insane skate park levels um i was always a vert guy like vert is what always appealed to me, even in the games. I usually play Vert Skater, so I would try to make, like, insanely long half-pipes that, like, I could skate forever or, like, create, like, monstrosities that I could, like, create crazy gaps to jump over. Like, the level editor was was a big thing for me for a while.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I mean, and, and let me just go back to mm-hmm. my experience with this game. Um, I did not play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Like, on an actual release. I I still, to this day, have not played the actual release of Tony oh, Hawk's wow. Pro Skater 2. Um, what I played was the Jam Pack <laughs> demo that was released around June of 2000 that included yep. a ton of good games. And one of those demos was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So, I gave you the mm-hmm. first level it gave you the two minutes so essentially the same thing as a pizza Hut demo um you know and for some reason it just didn't stick with me as much and so i never followed up with it um i i was never that much into tony hawk Mm -hmm. i could appreciate them and i love the first games demo but i was not going to go out and buy the second game um but yeah i mean it's you know it's it's an addition to create a park mm-hmm. feature it's an addition that was super welcome you know it really gave a lot of creativity to a lot of people that a lot of kids you know that wanted to do yeah. something themselves i mean i i've always been partial to uh level editors you know i remember in roller coaster tycoon trying to create yep. ridiculous roller coasters <laughs> and stuff like that but since i never had the game i was just not i did not get to yeah. experience that so i don't know jeff if you had a different experience
2: well, for me level design, level editing has always been a bit of a sticky <laughs> sticky fawn in my side. I think um you know, I've tried Mario Maker and things like that and I tend to leave it to the professionals, you know. I let them design yeah. uh, the the best uh, the best levels. But uh, yeah, I did because <laughs> I had this on the on the Dreamcast. It was one of I picked up the mm-hmm. Dreamcast. It would have been in between releases. I think I got it maybe ooh, uh late 1999, I think yeah it would have been yeah a few okay. months after release um and yeah uh, this was one of the one of the games i made sure i picked up on, on yeah, as soon as it came out and
0: level editor uh, i was too busy too busy trying to get good at the game yeah i mean and i want to make it 100% clear on this podcast none of my levels were good they were <laughs> all bad They were all very bad. Yeah, they were good for you, Arnie. That's all that matters. In my mind, I was like lead programmer at NeverSoft, (laughs) but they were all trash, and I would probably get fired if I actually made them but yeah there's also a create a skater mode which becomes huge in later games we didn't touch on this with with Pro skater one but there is there's always been a level of customizability in Tony Hawks and that's a thing that's always been very big they always let you pick your board um, they let her let you pick your grip tape your wheels your trucks uh, customize even the roster of skaters you could customize clothing wise yeah, Um so adding a create a skater was like essential and I'm very glad that this that this game did that mm-hmm. um, i definitely had a bunch of kooky characters that i would play as um and then the only other thing that i can think of that was really like really important because it existed in the first game but this is like the the game where you start to see it blossom and it becomes insane in later games but are the unlockable characters Um, the big one in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is Spider-Man, which is essentially the same Spider-Man model that Neversoft used for their Spider-Man PS1 game that they released in 2000. Um, and Spider-Man, if I remember correctly, has like his own special tricks and his own like custom skateboard and stuff. So it's, you know, we'll talk about this more in three because they go nuts with it. Like after this game, um, the amount of like unlockable characters and stuff that you can get um outside of that you know career mode is essentially the same like they they really i feel like NeverSoft adopted a if it's not broke don't fix it model uh for this game like because it was such a short turnaround they were just like career mode works uh let's keep that and then let's add like manuals switch uh switch foot stance um let's add nollies and fakies and things to like improve the gameplay aspect of it higher combos crazier like tricks you can pull off higher scores things like that
1: yeah Yeah, but i don't think i mean uh, you know it was not uncommon at the time to see like a one-year turnaround time oh no it was it was not uncommon at all and the thing is all the elements of the original game you know were there for the sequel you know you Mm -hmm. could use the same engine and essentially you could just make it a better game just by adding the things that you missed in the first one um, so I don't think that they needed, uh, you know, a two year long development period in order to pump out, you know, what was essentially, you know, a refinement, mm-hmm. you know, and a perfection. Of yeah. the, and the I original. think,
0: you know, to to their credit, I think that when you see the breakaway success of the first game, like you want to build on that momentum as fast as possible. Right. Like, I don't think I think in their minds they wanted to they knew like stuff they couldn't add in the first game. And they're like. We can, we can do this and just create like the epitomized version of what we were trying to do here. Um, and for the most part, I think they succeeded. Like I think Tony Hawk's 2 is probably the game that most people say is their favorite. Um, whether like I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's just me. Like Tony Hawk's 2 is not my favorite, but it's definitely like PS1 games. It's probably in my top five for sure. You know it's a great game. Like there's, if you like the first one, here's that game with even more cool stuff to do in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can't really go wrong with with that design philosophy. Um. So let me ask you, Jeff, because I know that we've talked about you know our experiences playing the game. Um. We've sort of discussed like what we think of it. Do you do you think, like overall, I guess, if you had to if you had to pick, like do you think that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 was an improvement over the first game? Like, do you think it kept the essence of what made the first one good, but made it even better, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I I think for somebody who who <laughs> wasn't into their skateboarding, it still felt very much like the authentic experience that they set out to do and set out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inclusion of more skateboarders gave it more credibility. I'd never heard of any of them, but it felt more genuine. Um, I'm sorry. You'd never heard of Chad Muska and Rune Glyphburg? And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. I know they're both listening, uh, so I can only apologize <laughs> that I don't, I d- I didn't know you at the time, but I do now, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's. You said it's. It's here's the same game, but more of it. Um, slightly mm-hmm. tweaked. Uh, here's more awesome music. Here's some great videos. Uh, here's a video of everybody failing to do the intro video.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: which somebody <laughs> reminded me of oh, on Instagram actually a couple of weeks ago. I completely forgot that there was that fail video. Um, and and it really reminded me that. I think the big thing that I loved at the time, I loved, like everybody else, I loved MTV's Jackass. And um, when you see people on TV failing stunts and deliberately failing, like Bam Margera, you know, just doing all the mm-hmm. stupid stuff that he would do and Steve-O and all these idiots. <laughs> it like I ended up getting addicted to skateboarding failing videos and it was yeah. great that they would put that in a game and go here's everybody fucking up what we make look easy <laughs> it's great because it's hard it's a hard sport
0: yeah and it you know, definitely is i think it gives you a, a new appreciation for what they do when you see them constantly fuck up exactly um
2: I, I mean as well with this game the hype machine the reviews it was it was huge this was big this was a big big deal and I kind of feel a bit ashamed because every time I'm asked by people like my favourite PS1 or Dreamcast games, I always forget to put Tony Hawk in. Um, yeah, I, I don't, and I don't know why because I've got, I still got them in my, you know, in my collection, in my, in on my shelves. I still got Tony Hawk two and three, and I absolute when I stick them on, as soon as the first tune plays, I'm like, oh great, you know, I'm back again. But whenever <laughs> out when I when I don't think about them. They're never on those lists, and I feel really bad because two yeah. is a, is for me is is by far my favourite of the series, and that's because I stopped okay. that's because I stopped after four, um, <laughs> and and that's just because with the, by the time Underground came out and everything, I was at university, I was too busy playing so- like yeah. soccer tournaments and going out drinking and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, like a pro Evo and FIFA and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you know, you 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 you, you have to say that two is two is by far the most recognizable for a reason and it's because they didn't deviate away from what made the first game great but they didn't change too much to make people go, Ugh, this isn't this isn't the game that I remember. So it's it's it's, it was a great
0: balance. Absolutely. Um Ozzy, I want to ask you a a specific question and before I do that, I want to to read you some names and see if you recognize any of these uh papa roach (laughs) yes (laughs) uh anthrax and public enemy absolutely rage against the machine Uh,
1: listen to them every day
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh what did you think of, of of this soundtrack i know you talked a little bit about um guerrilla radio and that intro and stuff like that but what what do you think of of this expanded soundtrack like you mentioned before that tony hawks one is sort of monotonous and theme Um, and this one is much more varied there's a lot of hip-hop on here and stuff like that so how does this one stack up to you
1: yeah i mean the addition of hip-hop and other types of um you know genres really made it stand out um and and it again like it perfected the original um, one of the tracks that comes to mind, I mean, not only Guerrilla Radio by, um, uh, Rage Against the Machine, but also Cyclone, um, which I forgot the, mm-hmm. the, the artist, but, um, it's a, another Scott track, which <laughs> I, I love the Scott tracks, you know, but there were just so many good tracks on this, uh, on, on this soundtrack. Honestly, if you put this thing in a, in an album, Um, it would sound like hotcakes. I, I think that it perfectly encapsulates not only a time period, but I also think that it has just a lot of good music, um, you know, of all time, really. Like, it's not really just confined to this one particular time period. But it's, it's literally, I mean, the only competitor I would say in terms of license soundtrack would probably be Vice City. You know, that's, I think, the only soundtrack that gets close to the perfection of Tony Hawk 2's license soundtrack. And shamefully one of the reasons why probably we're not gonna see tony hawk 2 at least in the way that it was originally released yeah. ever again um because you cannot get those licensed soundtracks ever again um you know without paying up to wazoo i mean i'm sure the papa rose probably needs <laughs> the money you know i gave them my money yeah. many years back you know uh, on go to a concert <laughs> oh hell yeah um <laughs> Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really one of the most phenomenal soundtracks, you know, of all time. And I really didn't realize it until yesterday when, you know, I, I knew that it was mm-hmm. just a great soundtrack, but I didn't realize it until I, I went back to it and I listened to all of them. And literally, there's just not yeah. one bad song. All the songs are just. Yeah. absolute bangers um you know it's 54 minutes or so you could listen yeah. to the whole thing and it's just one of the best 54 <laughs> minutes you will ever spend yeah
0: it really like i think like the first game there's so many like artists that I had never heard of when I first popped this on and so many songs that are now ingrained into my mind yeah. um, just from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Um, like the first one with Superman by Gold... Uh, the Superman by Goldfinger. This one also has uh, a song that I is like forever etched into my brain and that's you by bad religion. Like that's the, that's the song that I took away from this, from this game. Um, so yeah. yeah, just like the first one, like they did it again. They, they dug those earworms right into my brain. Um, and I think, you know, outside of, of that stuff, um, obviously, like we've talked about it. This game blew up. Like this game was even bigger than the first one. Um, I saw that it sold by 2007. It had sold something like 5.3 million units between every port. Um, which is crazy. Uh, you know, it's, there's not much you can say about it. I think in terms of PS one games, I think in terms of like arcadey, uh, skateboarding games, Tony Hawk's pro skater two kind of stands alone. Um, in this in this time period it was definitely one of the best-selling games of 2000 and 2001 and i think you know you're talking nines tens across the board even for the even for the gb the game boy color game boy advance the ios version is like very well regarded (laughs) which i feel like i never hear that about any uh cell phone port of any game so that usually tells you, like, the strength of the mechanics that are here.
1: <laughs> I mean, the game, I remember it. I mean, it received Perfect 10, you know, yep. for any GM. I went back to that yep. review yesterday, and it's just they're like, yeah, this is this is a perfect game. Um, I always I was always struck a little bit by how well-received mm-hmm. Tony Hawk was. I think that it was so addictive, you know, and the, the, the loop was so yeah. well-designed that it just got people to just praise it. You know, in a sublime mm. manner, um, and it also kind of bugged me a little bit because you know it, the praise even extended to like the <laughs> graphics. And I never thought that the graphics in the Tony Hawk games were very good. I, I thought that they were yeah passable. You know, I mean the 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 models weren't great. They kind of looked yeah. a little bit odd. Um, the animations were okay. You know, but I never thought that they were, you know, the most excellent graphics out there. And it just kind of (laughs) bugged me a little bit. I was like, yes, okay, this, this game is great, you know, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, this is not like, and I think it took a lot of time before. You know, you know, the kind of critical reception kind of catch- yeah. caught up to that. Eventually, you know, the games themselves started losing mm-hmm. their hype and people started realizing, okay, well, maybe the graphics yeah. are not great or maybe this is not as great as I thought. Um, but it's just kind of like a minor thing. But, uh, you know, this game received yeah. tens across the board. I remember GamePro giving it like... You know, 5.0, 5.0, 5.0, on everything, single thing, like graphics, including everything. Like, let let yeah, me ask dude, you something
0: uh, because I I think you, you would know a little bit more about this than I would. Do you think that part of it could have also been that, like, once the first game comes out and it's such a success and we start seeing, like, clones of Tony Hawk, like stuff that is trying to be Tony Hawk but just wasn't? Like, off the top of my head, I think I own, like, Andy McDonald's MTV skateboarding or something. Um, which uh, I think yes, came I remember, came out one. around that time. Like, do you think it was also the fact that like when Tony Hawk Two comes out, you're like, "This is what this is supposed to be like." Like, I've played all these inferior copies of this game that I love, and this is the one that like gets it right.
1: It's it's possible. I mean, there were a number of mm-hmm. uh, copycats. I mean, uh, the one that most readily comes to mind yep. is Grind Session. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's possible. I think that people. You know, understood that this was the yeah. real deal, that Tony Hawk was where you would go in order to get the authentic experience. Um, every, everyone else just felt like they were yeah. runner ups. There wasn't any single, uh, you know, competitor that could actually yeah. challenge Tony Hawk. And, and there never would be, there, there never was. Um, but if you go back to the critical reception, I think this might be the highest scored game for it's, the PlayStation. It's up one. there. It's uh, like, yeah i mean it's a 98 on metacritic so i i think that it just is a testament like these are like ocarina yeah. of time like you know uh i critical think i um, i think you know, i numbers.
0: saw that on metacritic it was tied with ocarina of time i think for like the highest rated game on that entire platform or at least at some point it was yeah, i don't yeah. know if it's gone down or something um but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, outside of that, I think it's worth mentioning there is an Xbox release called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X. Um, this is probably the definitive version. I have not played it, so I can't say that, but it includes every level from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, plus five new levels. Um, it was co-developed by Neversoft and Treyarch, um, and it just seems to be a really good port of, of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So. It's, it's an
1: amazing port. Uh, I think this is literally the definitive version. If you can get past the Xbox Mm -hmm. controller, which has the weird aspect of just not having the two, uh, you know, shoulder buttons, the four shoulder buttons, you know, and you had to, you know, use the the Mm -hmm. black and white button. Um, this is the definitive version that it includes, uh, the, the tanker level, which was actually designed by, uh, Neversoft. So it was actually a real, uh, you know, the yeah. level of sorts because it was done by the original uh guys. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna play Tony Hawk's Pro mm-hmm. Skater 2 and, and you have an it. Xbox, this is the way to go because you're gonna get a higher resolution, and you know, there's also the added benefit that you get all the levels yeah. from Tony Hawk 1 and all the challenges yeah. from Tony Hawk 1. So essentially it's almost like having Tony Hawk 1 and 2 packaged yeah. in the same box. It's it's absolutely amazing. I think that this is and honestly, I don't have mm-hmm. it. I thought I did. I don't have it it's on my list of games to get because i really do think that this is the definitive Excellent. version
0: um so with that i think we're gonna take one more short break come back hit tony hawks two and th- uh three and four and then we'll wrap this whole thing up how does that sound guys sounds good Welcome back. All right, so Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, guys. So now we're now we're in the next generation. Now we're talking PS two times. This is serious. This is big boy stuff. So two thousand one, a year, a little bit over a year after the masterful glory of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two, NeverSoft does it again. Like there's some sort of conveyor belt machine, um, and they put out Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, finally getting a Japanese release. Look at that with three exclusive skaters. So. Japan, Japan was was come was on the come up. Um, this was also released on PS One, which I don't think I ever knew that, and it's kind of crazy to me that that exists. I, I
1: did, I, I, I did, and I played. I actually, I actually played this oh, version really? quite a lot. Um, and it's interesting because the PS1 version was, uh, developed mm-hmm. by Shaba Games, uh, which they did, um, grind session. Um, you know, so they had experience with the yeah. skateboarding genre. So it's kind of funny that the imitator, the, the copycat was the one that took up development duties for, um, you know, yeah. the PS1 version of Tony Hawk. Um, they also did, I think, uh, they also ported Matt Hoffman's mm-hmm. Pro BMX. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this game feels like a remix of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 yeah. since because, you know, the PS1 could not handle the the level geometry of, uh, of mm-hmm. the PS2. Um, they actually had to remix it. And so it feels like yeah. a different game than the Tony Hawk 3 on PlayStation 2. It just feels like a remix. And so it's actually a very good port. Um, I actually have it, and I've played it quite a bit. Um, and I can attest to it being quite good. So if you happen to run into it, um, definitely don't think that it's just a downscale port. That's not yeah. the case with 4. Uh, but with 3, at the very least it's a really good version that stands yeah, on its absolutely. own. absolutely.
0: Um, I've never played it. Now I'm curious about it. Like now I think I want to track it down if only for my morbid curiosity of seeing what it plays like on the PS1. Um, outside of that, nothing really like crazy to report on the ports. Um, I would just say the Windows and Mac version developed by Gearbox Software. That's interesting. Um, and the N64 version was the last uh, North American game release, or I mean, US N64 game that was released. Um, also, did it have a
1: particular color?
0: I don't know. Honestly,
1: I, I really don't. <laughs> Cause I've never seen it. I don't I think.
0: think I've ever seen it either. Like I know, I know Tony Hawk's one is blue and Tony Hawk's two is yellow, but I don't know that I've ever seen Tony Hawk's three on the N64. So I wonder if it's like a rare, a rarer game to find, you know, it pretty much maintains similar gameplay structure from previous uh, entries in the series, it did add reverts, which we've talked about, which allows combos to go from vert to street, which is crazy because now you can do. I mean, if you thought you could do insane stuff in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, like hundreds of thousands of points, twenty, thirty, like different tricks in a combo. It's, it's mind-boggling stuff. Um,
1: yeah, and let me just mention, it's a black cartridge. Oh! I'm um, is- very rarely seeing, but it is a black cartridge I, for the Nintendo 64. I'm going to have to
0: look that up later, because i literally never seen that cartridge before. I don't know anyone so- who owned this on anything other than the PS2
1: um yeah no and the ps1 yeah. uh of course yeah but it seems since it's the last one that was released for the nintendo 64 in the u.s yeah uh not not too many black cartridges torok yep, i remember Turok was one of the black cartridges but that's about I, that's it. the yeah. only
0: one i can think of off the top of my oh wwf yeah. no, mercy, no mercy i think right? was also yeah. black absolutely yeah yep no mercy yeah, was yeah, black yeah, yeah um and so the other big thing that i think this added is that this was the first game released for the ps2 that supported online play from the console like even if you didn't have the network adapter i think you could still connect via ethernet to play online um and i can't imagine well what i mean that I, was like
1: i but how could you do that if you didn't have the, the hard drive
0: i, I don't know. um
1: because the the original ps1 did not have any ethernet port you mean the uh, um, ps2
0: the yeah. PS2. The PS2. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know. That's that's basically what I came upon in my research, but again, like I don't know if that's accurate. I saw it in several places, so that's why I'm I'm you know yeah, giving yeah. it that credit. But I did not think this was the first online PS2 game. Like I thought it was yeah. SOCOM uh, or something.
1: No, I mean SOCOM was the popular one, yeah. but yeah, I, I saw that this one had online play even before, and I think Tony Hawks Pro Skater 4 was really notable for having the online play. And so, that's the one that I recall having the yeah. online play. But apparently, this one did have mm-hmm. online play. And I had to go back to it just to, you know, confirm, yeah. you know, that I wasn't, you know, speaking out of my <laughs> ass here. Um, But, no, I mean, I let me go back a little bit onto my experience yeah. with this game. This game came out in 2001, part of that, you know, famed class of 2001. Yeah. I mean, this year just had massive, massive bangers, yeah. you know, left and right. And um, I remember this game coming out and Blockbuster was running that promotion where they allowed you to just, you know, you know rent games and, you know, turn turn it back in and get mm-hmm. another one for like a monthly subscription. And I remember picking up this game from Blockbuster um, and playing it on the PS2. And so I never actually had the game. But I just rented it and kept it for a long, long yeah. time. And you know, I mostly played a ton of like the Canada section, like the yeah. Canada <laughs> level, you know, I, I did a ton of that. Um, you know, this was also the game that in, in started inserting like a lot of really saney storylines yeah. into it. Like in the Canada section, you had to like unstick the guy that had the tongue, you know, set <laughs> yeah. to the pole. Um, you know, or you had to like douse the bully with uh with you know with snow. Um you had to like grind on top of like the 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 melter, the smelter you know um uh on the on the foundry mm-hmm. level um and so i had a ton of fun with this game i mean it really was even before the ps1 version which i will later get um I, I played a ton of this game just because i rented it in blockbuster um and it had a new engine so it really did look a lot better when you go back to it now i mean the the models look funky the faces look yeah. funky. they look really weird you know that kind of you know, a face scanning technology that they have back there that they just had like, a picture. And they, like, like stretch it over the model's
0: face.
1: Yeah, uh, like, on top of a doll. Uh, So it has that weird characteristic. But still, for the time, I mean, it just looked really, really awesome. I played it last night.
0: I had a ton of fun with it. Um, This wasn't one that I played a whole lot. I think I mostly played friends' copies of this. Like, I don't think I ever owned it myself. But super fun um i want to jeff i want to ask you like your experience playing three if like how you played it and all that and then i have a question for both of mm-hmm. you that that i'm really looking forward to hearing the answer <laughs> of. yeah no i i had
2: to, i had this on the ps2 it was a must buy game okay if you if you had the console this is this has felt like something i just had to do considering how much i loved the uh, number two yeah this this was when i i enjoyed it like you say the 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 things you start doing in the environments start getting a bit a bit wacky, I guess. Um, you can kind of mm-hmm. see, you know, now in hindsight, you can kind of see where it's all heading towards. Yeah, you know, the levels started becoming a little bit more bizarre, I guess. Like the first level, what is the foundry? Yeah, it's like, why would you go skateboarding where there's m- melting metal? <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I love that man. Like, at least I the f- it. in the other game, the other places were like skate parks and
1: warehouses. Yeah, like it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in a way. It- it's, it's the bigger and better, yeah, of you know, philosophy Honestly, of, of development. It
0: was weird. I don't know if you guys like feel this way, but when I played when I played it again yesterday and I started on the foundry, the foundry kind of felt to me like a callback to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it was about it, but so too, it had yeah. like that vibe.
1: Well, that closed up yeah, vibe, yeah. you know, like even though it deals with like, you know, uh, iron foundry, um, it still felt like it was a warehouse. You were closed in and stuff like that. So, um, I also loved the verticality mm-hmm. of it. Um, the fact that levels were so much more complex that there was like a second layer, yeah. you know, that once you started going down and you went over the half pipe, you could go on the, the, the ramparts. Um, it, at the top, yeah. and then eventually you could find you know the the secret tape mm-hmm. there. So there was a lot more verticality, like the level geometry was a lot more complex than um, than the original ones. Yeah.
0: Um, the question that I wanted to ask both of you is, and and Jeff sort of alluded to this. We so in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, there is a similar, very similar cast to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two, with one notable addition in uh, Mister Bam Margera and oh my God. Jeff has sort of talked about you know how you can there's the objectives are more zany there's a lot more like craziness going on I think with adding bam in there there's sort of a what I would call a jackassification yeah. of the Tony Hawk's pro skater series that we would see come into full bloom <laughs> with uh, underground and underground Two. and so I wanted how do you guys feel about that direction like Ozzy how how, how do you feel about that
1: I, I I didn't mind it at the time because Bam was not that popular yeah. back then. Um, Bam really became known because of Tony yep. Hawk, um, and then MTV picked him up. You know, I mean, and and you know because yep. of Jackass, he was known because of Jackass and "Can't Kill Yourself" yep. and stuff like that with all his videos with like uh, his friends and yep. buddies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the introduction of Bam Margera that little by little. You know, the game started becoming synonymous with Jackass yep. and that, you know, level of that part of sub- subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't mind it back in the day, but then eventually once I went into the Tony Hawk Underground <laughs> years, like that's when you realize, okay, these games have taken on an identity that's different from what they started out yeah. being. And Bob Margera between this and Jackass, he pretty much made a career oh, out absolutely. of it. I mean he he was not a notable skater. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not one of the more renowned skaters, but you know, he just made a career yeah. out of it, and you know, he included some of the songs from "Can't Kill Yourself" mm-hmm. here in this game and everything. And so, you know, he he did pretty well for himself with uh, with the Tony Hawk games. Yeah. Uh,
0: what about you, Jeff?
2: Yeah, you know, the the two blending media forms, you know, are kind of are kind of there there to be seen in this one. I also didn't mind yeah. it. You know, I was I was spending my Friday nights watching a mixture of Buffy, WWF. Uh, jackass all, all this stuff it was just you know that, that's what a lot of my friday saturday nights were spent doing maybe the osborns and things like this and it's just like yeah the, the you know how how obscenely stupid can we get and and yeah. i enjoyed that for the most part and you do like you you do like that when you're in your teenage years it is funny you know watching people yeah. do stupid things I think that the the, the novelty <laughs> yeah. wore like wore off for me quite soon after that. Um, I think after the first Jackass movie, that was when I was like, uh, okay, I've, I've I can only watch this stuff so many times. I'm
0: kind of I'm kind of bored yeah. of it now.
1: Uh, and then you are yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There was they were, they.
0: Were- <laughs> there is a um, there is a moment in time that is frozen for me where I was just like Viva La Bam was a thing that I watched on MTV all the time. Yeah. Um, I would catch like the late night reruns of jackass episodes (laughs) and stuff like that. So, so I could like seeing the, the seams here, uh, is really interesting. Um, like I talked about before the other, the other big thing is uh, the unlockable characters here. You got Darth Maul, you got Wolverine, you got Ollie, the magic bum, Kelly Slater, you know, you, you even got the never soft eyeball. Um, doom guy was a PC exclusive unlockable character, which I thought was crazy. like, all sorts of stuff.
1: Um, yeah, I, I unlocked, you know, I, one of the things I loved about this game is that it actually had a, a sheet yep. uh, option. So I of course went back to it and in order to play it, I went back to the sheets and I put in all the yep. sheets, you know, in order to unlock everything. And, you know, as soon as I saw Darth Maul, it was amazing yep. because, you know, the the guy in the shop, you <laughs> know, uh it's getting choked, you know, it's getting force choked, and Darth Maul has this awesome double bladed lightsaber. But then I saw Wolverine and I was like, uh no, I'm going with Logan. Logan's <laughs> my this, guy. I have uh, a Darth Maul like I ride a
0: hoverboard for- too or something? Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, between all the unlockable characters, I won with Wolverine. Um, it, it, if you ever have to choose, you know how people say, "Be Batman." Yeah. You know, I would say, "Be Wolverine." <laughs> that's that's you know, if I ever have the choice, I'm gonna be Wolverine.
0: Yeah, it was it was amazing. Darth Maul was probably my favorite character of like any Tony Hawk game. So fun, and it's it, I like that they all have like unique special moves and stuff like that. It really makes it. um Worthwhile to either cheat and unlock them so you can play as them, or it's a nice reward if you, like, stick with it enough that you unlock them naturally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, one of the things that this game did was that it took away, like, the cash. Like, you no longer use yep. cash in order to buy things. So it was more about getting the goals, and through the goals, you would upgrade your yep. characters. And, you know, one little talked-about thing about uh, these games is that they almost... They, they did have an RPG kind yep. of element to with it. You know, you points. would increase... You know, your air, your stat points and stuff like that, you know. And uh, another thing that was really, really good with the the third part was that it had the balance meter yes. for grinding, for, um, you know, lip tricks and stuff like that, uh, for the manuals. Um, and so you could see how you were doing, you know, in order to kind of keep it in the level. Um, so I, I think that this game just had a ton of refinements that, you know, much like Tony Hawk 2, I think that it, it really... Worked on something, iterated on something that was already well done in the first instance. So it was just a matter of, you know, making it, adding more to it. And I think, you know, whether you like Tony Hawk 3 or 2 more, it all depends on what levels you prefer, really. Um, If if you prefer the levels from 2 more or if you prefer the levels from 3 more. Yeah,
0: I think I lean, I tend to lean more towards 3, just personally. Um, But like Ozzy said, it's really just a matter of taste at that point. Um, one thing I will I will say like I want to get into the the uh, critical reception for this game sold 2.4 million copies. Um, it's only one of 15 games to ever get a perfect 10 score by GameSpot, which is impressive in and of itself. But even more impressive when like Ozzy talked about you think about what kind of year 2001 was for video games. Like,
1: yeah, that was better than Metal Gear Solid yeah, Two, which like, was kind of like the critical darling at like, the time.
0: This was you know an insane game it's currently tied for the top ps2 game on metacritic with grand theft auto 3 like the names of games that you can throw out in this year is so crazy that it's like i feel like like what jeff was explaining with two applies to me with three where it's like if people ask me oh what's your favorite ps2 game like i'd never think of tony hawk's pro skater three but if i did it it would probably be up there like it's that good um, I want to just quickly do Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 because we are running a little short on time. Um, you know, 2002 release, Neversoft, once again doing their thing. I think the, the biggest thing that we have to mention with this game is that it changed the career mode, so it's no longer just two-minute runs to complete objectives. It's now there's no timer, and you have to go around finding people who will give you objectives. Mm. Um, So basically setting the table for Underground, Underground 2, and all the games that came after that. Um, there's a few additional features, but nothing super crazy. Spine transfers are probably the biggest thing. So you can transfer from one, uh, ramp to the other if they're back to back. Um, and then other than that, you know, it's pretty much a lot of the same that you got from three with a little bit of refinement. Um, I just want to mention two of my other favorite unlockable characters, which are Eddie, uh, the, the skeleton mascot for Iron Maiden and Django Fett. Like I, I, I love these games so much. Like, this is so stupid and insane and it makes me so happy. Um, And obviously, also a critical darling, like, very well received um, with pretty much everybody. Um, Interestingly enough, the one last thing I want to mention about this game is that it was released. There was a port for the Tapwave Zodiac, which I don't know (laughs) if you guys have ever seen this, but you should look it up on uh, YouTube. It was essentially a gaming PDA. um, And Tony Hawk's, Pro Skater Four was a was one of the releases for this thing. It's amazing. Um, just quickly, I want to get your guys' opinions on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Four before we wrap up. Uh, Ozzy, let's start with you. Like, what what is this game to you?
1: Oh, I, I I love it, and I actually I think a lot of people don't like the fact that it moved to a, you know kind of free roaming. Yeah. Um, environment because they wanted that kind of tight two minute timer, you know, where if you were good enough, you could complete all the skills or all the Mm -hmm. goals. Now you actually had to search them out. And so it kind of guaranteed that you couldn't finish everything quickly. You know, you kind of had to search people out you know, get the skills, but I actually enjoyed that about because if there was something that I prefer doing, I could just hunt that yeah. down, you know, essentially, and, and do that and and have fun with that. And it took away kind of like the stress and anxiety of having that two minute timer. Absolutely. So I, I, I actually prefer this. I actually prefer this mode of play. And I actually found myself really, really enjoying it, you know, so i think eventually it went too far down the other Mm -hmm. end particularly in tony hawk's underground when you were actually able to go off the the skateboard you know that's when you know it jumped the shark (laughs) uh but i think with this one i think it's the last true game i would say um you know tony hawk Three being the last classic game this one's the last i think last authentic tony hawk's game
0: okay fair enough fair enough uh what about you jeff what's what's tony hawk's pro skater 4 mean in, in, in your sort of gaming yeah. journey uh so i did just quickly look up that tap wave zodiac
2: and i can confirm that doom one and two <laughs> well you can play it on on it so there we go of course, of course you can, you can. <laughs> um but uh, yeah i did as thing i think i think i said but tony hawk plays kind of four i i didn't play it i think i just missed it i i kind of dropped off um Buying too many video games at the time. I think this was around my uni days. What year was it? Two thousand three. Okay, this was two thousand two. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, no. I think uh, I think I just got my GameCube and I was getting into all of that. Um, so yeah, this one yeah. this one passed me by. Uh, but it it is interesting to hear about the kind of more open world, the lack of timer. I'm a, I'm kind of you know on the fence about the timer, the two minute, because on one hand, I love that it gets you to focus and it gets you to kind of be strategic in what you're going to do, and it has that it creates that loop. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like mm. sometimes you just want another f- another extra minute or two just to kind of do more things in one go rather than having to go through it all over again. Um, and so yeah. the open part of it, I can see why they would do that, why they would go down that route because the technology was probably going to allow them to do that as well. You know, so mm. it is interesting. Maybe if I ever see it for uh, for a peanuts, I'll, I'll pick it up.
0: Yeah. It's not not a bad investment um, that pretty much sums up for play it, buy it, like all the other games in this series. Um, there was a fifth Tony Hawks, a pro skater game. Uh, we don't talk about it. Uh, people in my house get punished if they mention it to me. <laughs> um, but I will leave you I will just read you Jeff Gersman's Giant Bomb uh article i have two quotes from it uh it opened the uh, the review with don't play this game and then it ended it by saying don't waste your time you deserve better tony hawk deserves better hell even guest skater little wayne deserves better (laughs) uh so do not play tony hawk's pro skater 5
1: i think that's a good way to end it
0: (laughs) pretty much uh so in conclusion guys if you can't tell we love Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, we each have our you know, own little things that we love about it. Um, we each have our own favorite games. But overall, I think it's a solid series um, that I'm kind of sad ended the way that it did. Um, I don't think that Tony Hawk's needs a new game necessarily, but it would make me happy to know that the last game released for it wasn't an abomination. Um, so for whatever that's worth... Uh, Tony, if you're out there, if you're listening right now, uh, please spend some of that $4 million and give me, uh, one last Tony Hawks pro skater game that I can be proud of.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Tony Hawk, I'm pretty sure that he's, he's not done with the series. I think at some point not. someone's going to pick yeah, it up and, uh, it's really unfortunate that skating has kind of really lost popularity, Um, but I think it's just kind of biding its time. I think there's going to be another Tony Hawk or at least a second coming. I don't know if you can capture the Neversoft magic. I don't know if you can capture the Neversoft talent. Um, but I think there's going to be something else, whether that's in the form of like a skate type, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, game, um, or something else. I, I don't know, but I definitely do think that in the future we're going to see more Tony Hawk. Yeah.
0: And, and this is not, you know, we couldn't even touch into the other games. We're planning a whole separate thing for that, but this is not even talking about all the influences that Tony Hawk's made things like SSX um, and other games of that type that sort of took that formula and did their own spin on it. Um, You know, Tony Hawk's is, is undoubtedly, you know, a pillar of of video gaming in my opinion. Um, So I think with that guys, um, I think we can about wrap this up. That sound good to you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, this was the Region Free Gamers podcast, the podcast Fluid in Gaming. Uh, you can find us a whole bunch of places. You can find us on Instagram at Region Free Gamers Podcast, Twitter at Region Free Gamer without the S. Um, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, pretty much any, much like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, anything with a screen you can probably find us on um, <laughs> if you look hard enough. Uh, so with that guys, thank you so much. Go out and, uh, skate a little bit. So here I am, doing everything I can, holding on to what I am, pretending I'm a superman. Trying to keep the crowd on my feet. Seems the was falling down around me. Nights were long. I'm singing the song. It only make the answers more than maybe. And I'm so confused about what to do. Sometimes I want to throw it all away.